What does a humble, albeit loud and obnoxious podcast host sound like? Well, if you want to find out, then you've tuned into the right place because you've downloaded the latest edition of Kicking Out at Two over at SoundCloud.com. Thank you all for doing that. Thank you all for joining me this week. I am your humble, loud, and obnoxious host, Dave Rosenbluth, and we got a jam-packed show, a fun show for you playing this week as uh, two good buddies of mine, two good friends, two genuine quality human beings. Chris Donovan and Daniel Garcia sit down with me and we discuss the good, the bad, and the ugly when it comes to factions and stables within the history of professional wrestling. We cover all kinds of topics regarding factions from underrated factions, best factions, worst factions, guys who had benefited from being in factions, factions that had potential but didn't pan out for whatever reason. We got it all covered, so I'm really excited for you guys to check this out this week. Chris and Donnie, they brought their A-game when it came to their notes and their, their knowledge and expertise. It's, it's definitely a fun conversation. I'm looking forward to you guys checking that out. But before you do, I'd like for you guys to go check out the Mania Club over on Facebook. Uh, Mania Club is a great group of individuals that uh, set up shop in the parking lot of every single WrestleMania every year. They host a tailgate party. They charge in between $40 and $50 for unlimited food and beverage with the proceeds going to the Connors Cure Foundation, which is a charity that WWE uh, heavily promotes on their programming. Like I said, it's a fun atmosphere. I know a few guys that have done it every single year at WrestleMania. Uh, you hang out in the parking lot before the show. You have a few drinks. You have a hot dog, hamburger, whatever the case is. Just go and have some fun. It's a, a relaxed, fun atmosphere before you get into the stadium and uh, be a part of history with WrestleMania. And it's all for a good cause. So go check them out, Mania Club, over on Facebook. If you plan on attending WrestleMania in the tri-state area next year at MetLife Stadium, uh, give them a shout. Let them know you're going to be there. Maybe they will. Uh, they, they'll uh, you know want want your help in uh, setting up shop with the tailgate in the parking lot of MetLife Stadium. Uh, who knows? But all for a great cause. So go check them out, Mania Club, over on Facebook. Uh, like to give a quick shout out to uh, the W Figs Retro Wrestling Action Figures group over on Facebook as well. If you're into wrestling action figures, they have all kinds from Hasbro's, LJN's, Mattel's, Jack's, even some custom action figures. I've been uh, adding to my collection of uh, Hasbro action figures over the, the past several months since I've started this journey on kicking out it too. And there's a great group of guys over there at W Figs that just like to talk old school wrestling and they have some really cool action figures over there if you're into that sort of thing. So check them out. W Figs Retro Wrestling Action Figures over on Facebook. Uh, Everything Wrestling Federation over on Facebook. If you you're into action figures and then some check those guys out over there as well jr perez one of the moderators over there great guy uh you have all kinds of cool authentic um never before seen wrestling memorabilia that some guys like to buy or sell or even trade with other uh, collectors so go check them out on facebook as well and i'd also like to give a big shout out to tito uh over at pro wrestling edge who's uh, shown his love and support for kicking out it too thank you so very much Check those guys out over on Facebook, Pro Wrestling Edge, and uh, tell Tito I say what's up. And Tito, I'm going to have you on the show at some point soon, I promise you. Uh, you know, those guys over there just like to, you know, talk wrestling, current day, old school, whatever the case is. They do like chats during pay-per-views and Raw and SmackDown and, and other things, so... Uh, Check those guys out over at Pro Wrestling Edge. And uh, it's kind of ironic that uh, with this Factions episode taking place this week that uh, we're on the, uh, you know, 
the eve, so to speak, of the highly anticipated all-in event, which is being funded and hosted by one of the most influential factions in wrestling today, and that's the Bullet Club. Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks personally funding this event. Uh, It's on pay-per-view. It's sold out. Nobody ever thought that, that this event would reach such, you know, professional heights like it has uh, being on pay-per-view and selling out for, for three guys who have never promoted a wrestling show before. Uh, big names in the business, of course, but, you know, that's in the ring. Um, so we, we, we've gotten to see some of their, you know, their, their promoting chops, so to speak. And uh, it's a big event in wrestling history. And I think it's kind of ironic that, you know, this Factions podcast falls just a few short days before all in on Saturday night from you know the Sears Center in Chicago, and uh, it looks to be a really good card. Uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of great matches on the show, but for me personally, the NWA World Heavyweight Championship match is the one I'm looking forward to the most. Uh, the fact that the NWA Championship is being brought back to a level of prominence that it hadn't seen in quite some time, I think, is cool, and I think that this All In show is going to be a really big boost for the nwa title and help launch the nwa championship back into eventually mainstream professional wrestling i guess you could say you know and be on the same level as as wwe i'm not saying that it's going to happen overnight but i truly feel like with the success the the projected success i should say of this all-in event that the nwa title is going to be looked at um with more prestige and not the way it's been looked at in the last several years where a lot of people just see the title as a joke. Um, So I'm looking forward to seeing what comes out of it, regardless of who wins, whether it's Cody Rhodes or Nick Aldis. I'm really digging the fact that this title is a part of this event, and this event and the title are really helping each other. The NWA title and the history behind it is helping make all event one of the most must-see wrestling shows in, 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 in the game today. And... You know, it's just, it's really cool overall. So uh, I just wanted to kind of, you know, express my love and uh, my interest when it comes to all in this weekend. Don't get me wrong. I'm sure Kenny Omega and Pentagon Jr. is going to be an awesome match. I'm sure Golden Elite against Rey Mysterio, Bandito, and Phoenix is going to be a fantastic six-man tag team match. I'm sure that Okada and Skrull are going to tear it up. Uh, the Ring of Honor World title. I mean, there's so many great matches on this card, and uh, I didn't think I would be this excited for it because, uh, you know, I'm not going to lie to you. Um, I'm, I've been primarily a WWE guy. I try to watch everything, but for the most part, um, you know, I've I've – Grew up watching WWF, WWE, and I've stuck with them through the good, bad, and the ugly. And uh, I feel like um, in the last, you know, several months, maybe even the last year or so, um, the 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 content that they've been putting out has not been the greatest. And I've broadened my horizons, so to speak. I'm not saying that I've watched New Japan and Ring of Honor and kept up with the indie scene like most people. I'm not a bandwagoner. Um, I try to keep up with as much wrestling as I can, watch as much as I can between WWE, Impact, TNA, or excuse me, uh, uh, Ring of Honor, New Japan. Um, Try to go to indie shows when I can. I try to keep up and try and get a little bit of everything in the wrestling world. And... uh, so, I mean, it's it's really exciting to see that, you know, this event and where it's come from and where and now how big it's become. I mean, they're doing a podcast convention, StarCast, for All In. I mean, it, it's huge. It's it's something that, you know, five years ago you you would laugh at 
the, the, the thought of something like this taking place. So I think it's pretty cool overall that uh, the wrestling world is going to um, converge to Chicago this weekend and all in. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what comes out of that. And uh, nearly that's about that. So with that being said, let's get into the, uh, the main event this week as Chris, Donnie, and myself cover the best and worst factions in the history of professional wrestling. Here we go this week, the Factions episode of Kicking Out at Two. Joining me, dear close personal longtime friends of mine, two guys who I work with at our bill-paying job. Uh, you'll probably remember this first individual. He joined us on the very first installment of the My Favorites collection, covering the Triple H Shawn Michaels SummerSlam 2002 match. Introducing to Kicking Out at Two once again this week, Chris Donovan, how are you? I'm doing great, Dave. How are you? I am doing fantastic. Great for you to be here. Uh, and joining us this week, um, an individual who, very near and dear to my heart, great friend of ours, uh, loves pro wrestling, and I thought it was about time that the three of us all got together and talked about uh, some of the historical moments in professional wrestling involving factions. Uh Daniel Garcia, what's up, buddy? Nothing much. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course, as always. It was about time that the three of us got together because we talk enough wrestling at work when we're supposed to be actually working. Uh, so I figured, why don't we just take use of that and take advantage of it a little bit and do it here on this forum, on this platform. Uh, for those of you that are wondering, at our bill-paying job, the three of us work at a school for kids with uh, moderate to severe disabilities, ranging from autism, Down syndrome, uh, mental illness, things of that nature. So, uh, you know, from time to time, we bump into each other in the hallway, and, if, you know, we'll, we'll talk a little bit of wrestling. You know, not too much, because we can't really, you know, we have, we have children to watch over. Although, there are some staff in the building that probably need more watching than the kids itself. <laughs> but, uh, nonetheless, I won't say too much, because I might end up in human resource is pretty soon if someone <laughs> hears this podcast just because I have an opinion in my own basement. But nonetheless, um, we're here to discuss the good, the bad, and the ugly when it comes to stables, factions in the history of pro wrestling. So I want to start things off with the with the two of you guys. I'll start off with you, Donnie. Um, what are your earliest memories of factions? Who's the, what's the first faction you came across in your pro wrestling fandom over the years? And give me your thoughts on it. Uh, definitely the first one was D-Generation X. That was the first memory of factions where you had, you know, uh, Triple H and Shawn Michaels. They were telling everybody to suck it and they were badasses. They were beating everybody up. And uh, they were really a, the powerhouse, you know, when they added uh, Road Dogg and X-Pac, you know, Billy Gunn, those kind of guys. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, here, here's a question for you. you. You mentioned Triple H and Shawn. Then, of course, you mentioned Road Dogg, Billy, and X-Pac. Which DX was better? In your opinion, I you can't go wrong with uh, Triple H and Shawn Michaels. I feel like they were such a dynamic, you know, tag team. And I thought that they were fantastic. Okay, all right, all right. Now, Chris, uh, your first memory of factions and and uh, thoughts on it? Um, mine would have to be the Hart Foundation, um, just because when I was growing up, they were there, and I thought I always thought it was cool that they were actually like family, and the fact that like. They would do anything for their own blood. I, I think the fact that they put family first always, like, struck a chord, kind of. And, like, like it just, like, meant more to, like, than any other faction. Because, like, they really had the best interests of each other 
in their uh, forefront. It was something you could relate to. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. With a family. I mean, right. I come from a big family. I got three brothers. So, you know, my, my, my brother Justin has said in previous episodes that he is, you know, looked at our family in some way as the heart foundation um, with that brother bond that Brett and Owen and then eventually, you know, Davy Boy, God rest his soul, Jim the Anvil Nightheart just passed recently and then the addition of Brian Pillman, a part of that group, even though he wasn't family by blood, he was family, you know. Because he studied in the dungeon. Be, yeah, because he, he worked in the dungeon and that's where he came from out of Calgary. Um, yeah, for me personally, uh, my first introduction to like a faction or a stable would probably have to be, it's either the Horsemen from the NWA uh, with Ric Flair, Ari Anderson, Tully Blanchard, and Lex Luger. The original four was Flair, Arn, Tully, and Ole Anderson with J.J. Dillon as the manager, but I remember Lex Luger. I thought that, as a kid, I thought that was the first incarnation of it, obviously growing up years later. That wouldn't be the case, but uh, you had the Horsemen and then the Heenan family. Now, even though they weren't really categorized as a faction or as a stable, if you will, Bobby Heenan managed about 40 guys. Uh, <laughs> minimum. Yeah, <laughs> minimum. 40 guys would come out to the ring and wearing you know, different outfits, and he had you know, the likes of King Kong Bundy, Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff, Big John Studd, Andre the Giant, Hercules, um, the list goes on and on. Mr. Perfect, Rick Rude, King Haku, King Harley Race. I mean, he had a load of guys. Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard from the Horsemen at one yep. point came over and were the Brain Busters. So those are the two factions that I had had my earliest memories of. As far as, like, the Horsemen goes, um, they were, like, the, 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 the typical bad guys for me as a kid. I wasn't, like, I always thought of them as, like, like the evil corporate greed, like they were, you know, they they, cat, they reminded me a lot of like, you know, like bad guys in movies and in comic books. You know, they were they were they were sharp, they were cunning, they were they manipulative, but, yeah, manipulative. But they worked as a cohesive unit, and and then of course there's the Heenan family who, you know. When I look at them as bad guys as a stable, I always kind of had. I always go back to like the. Um, like the Batman effect. I don't know if you you could if you could understand what I mean by that is is that like Batman had like a list of bad guys that would all like band together. Even though they weren't always all together at the same time, they they would always, you know, have one common goal and that's like go after Batman. So like I that's how I always felt like the Heenan family was. Even though Bobby didn't march out with all of them at the same time, to me they were still a faction. Um I get that. Yeah, so I mean, that's where I stand as far as like my earliest memories. Uh, I do want to get into um, factions in your mind that had potential, but never really panned out. We'll start with you, Donnie. So factions that never really panned out. I'm trying to think, you know, um, really trying to think of like the League of Nations, for example, now is with... Uh, that was Alberto Del Rio and Cesaro, Sheamus. Um, I, I like the idea, you know, um, but just for some reason it just didn't really work out. And I'm not really sure if it was because, you know, fans or their kind of storylines that they were put in. But that was, that's kind of one that kind of uh, comes to mind. Comes to mind that really didn't pan out that probably should have. I mean, I, as far as the League of Nations go for me, uh, you know, one of the more recent groups in, in, in wrestling in WWE, I just felt like it was four guys that they, like, put together that didn't really have anything to do and there was really no purpose. I was like, you know, it's four guys from four different countries and 
I don't know, it just felt very forced to me. Like, I didn't really seem to uh, take a liking to it as much. What about you, Donovan? What, pan, factions that didn't really pan out, but, you know, f- for whatever reason. I mean, I just, I think of this one, and this is one of the more famous ones, and people are going to be like, why don't you think that panned out? Uh, the Ministry. I think the Ministry... Ministry of Darkness? Yes. Okay. Because as much as, like, they were famous, they really weren't given a long enough run. Like, because they, obviously they uh, combined with the corporation to... Become the corporate ministry, yeah. yeah. Corporate ministry. I just don't think the ministry itself was given enough time to like really like flourish. I think they could have been so much more if given more time. You know what? That's an interesting. That's an interesting choice there. I mean, for the for me, when it comes to the ministry of darkness, um, I thought it was a cool spin on the Undertaker because he had been you know the phenom and he had been you know he was this, a face and then he became yeah a he was a, he was such huge. a he was he was a huge good guy and then became like this. He this like really dark satanic version of him. It was yeah. almost like you were kind of almost like teetering along like what Bray Wyatt was early on starting mm-hmm. out. You know, like he was doing things that were just like weird, like uh, very uncomfortable, like the sacrifices and like the abduction of stuff. Yeah, I was at that Monday Night Raw when she was abducted. That was my first ever Monday Night Raw I ever went to. Solid one to uh, go to. Yeah, yeah, you know, st- Stephanie, a-, a wedding and abduction all in the same evening on Monday Night Raw. But uh, yeah, the, to me like it was very uncomfortable at times even as a teenager to watch like he was even with his look too like he had that beard like lucifer he shaved off the mustache and it was just you know like the the chin beard and he did it was very even as a teenager yes i knew it was all predetermined and scripted but like it was intimidating looking just to look at him and watch what what he was doing that's what i'm saying if they gave them a little bit more time i feel like it would have been just that much better i was i was on board, even though as uncomfortable as it was to watch, sometimes I was on board with that storyline where he was kind of stalking the McMahon family and and stalking the corporation. And then when they kind of merged with the corporation, I was like, "Well, there goes that." Because yeah. I mean, kind of I was sell out yeah, mind. like I mean, the ministry was like dark and evil and twisted, and they had like you know their their own thing going. And then on the other side, you had the corporation, which was working well in and of itself. Yep. Why did you have to merge both? I mean, to me, I just felt like it was. It, I didn't really care for the merging whatsoever. What, what was your take on the Ministry of Darkness, Donnie? Uh, I kind of like, I did the whole thing with Undertaker. I think it was different. You know, I did kind of like that dark. It was something different that the Undertaker could do. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm on board with you. As it, it got maybe too dark, too weird. And I also, I didn't really care for the merge because it was just, just way too many guys. Yeah. I, it was just way too many guys. It was just it was like, like a football well, team. Yeah. And then you kind of <laughs> looked at him. defense. <laughs> yeah. And then you looked at him and like, well, why is he with the Undertaker? Why, you know, wasn't yeah. D'Lo Brown in that for like a hot second? Or who am I thinking of? And you kind of looked at him like, why is he with the Undertaker? You know, he's... Uh, Midian. 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 Well, yeah. Midian, who was once Phineas Godwin. Yep. Um... <laughs> You had uh, Bradshaw and Farouk, which they eventually became the APA. At one point, Edge and Christian and Gangrel, the yeah, Brood, who yeah. were their own faction. Yeah, they, they, they got recruited. Yeah, they got yeah, recruited. They got recruited and joined them. Um, but which if was you a good th- move. yeah, if you think about it, I go even as as weird as the ministry was, they the association with some of those guys helped those guys' careers even further. Edge and Christian became big names in tag teams and in singles. Bradshaw eventually became JBL. You had Farouk, Ron Simmons. He was a big deal. Um, you know, other names like Triple H and the big boss man. Boss man was already established, and Triple H was kind of doing his own thing, um, branching out a little bit more. But 
I guess you could say in some ways, as weird as it was, the ministry and Undertaker benefited other talents moving forward. Um, which which brings me to another topic here on uh, uh, you know on the on factions. Are there any factions aside from the ministry that helped benefit talent? The importance of a faction to individual stars and helping benefit talents moving forward once that faction dies. We'll start with you, Chris. I mean, obviously the first one you think of is the NWO. Yep. Just because. It was kind of like what you just said with the too many people in it. They had way too many people. Yeah. Like, especially towards the end of it. But, like, every single person in there was either established or needed to be established. Like, the, the NWO, their like common purpose, like, the background, obviously, yeah. was to get people in the forefront of the organization. Mm-hmm. And just, obviously, Hogan, Hall, Nash, Stinger, like, those were the big faces. But then you have, like, the lower-name guys, and just, they were trying to, their names got elevated based on association. Like, they were with Hogan, they were with Nash, they yeah. were with Hall. Just wearing the shirt was yeah. enough. Like They became instantly cool because they put the shirt on. Yeah, I mean, you look at... You said lower, you know, lower card names. You had Conan, uh, who was a big name in Mexico, but in the United States, not many people knew who Conan was. Once mm-hmm. Conan kind of wore the NWO colors, he became a little more established, and then eventually would go on to some better things with the NWO Wolfpack, which we'll touch upon in a mm-hmm. little bit. Buff Bagwell, Marcus Alexander Bagwell, floundered in tag teams over the years with guys like Scotty Riggs and the American Males. Scotty he was with Riggs. the Patriot, and they were stars and stripes. Too Cold Scorpio. Um, and then he joins the NWO, he becomes Buff. And to me, I thought, like, he that's a guy who had a load of potential from, from being in a group and... It didn't really work out for him for whatever reason. But yeah. you make a great point is that you had established guys like Hogan, Hall, and Nash, and Randy Savage. And then you had guys who needed to be established with that association of the NWO name itself. Uh, Donnie, give me a um, a faction that you feel uh, their importance to an individual star moving forward. Well, I can think of two right off the bat. My first one I think of is Evolution. With yes. Randy Orton, you know, see what Randy Orton came out to be, and yep. Batista, what he came out to yep. be. You know, Flair and Triple H were obviously well established and were kind of like that um, senior role to him. Yeah. But when when they broke up, man, Randy Orton really came out, and the same thing with Batista. They were both champions, you know, yeah. heavyweight champions. Um, and then the most obvious one in recent is the Shield. You yeah. know, they broke up, and all three of them are top top talents. Yeah. You know, so I think. Both of those are really great examples, you know? Oh, absolutely. absolutely. I mean, it, the the Evolution one especially because Evolution not only did it, like, did the name fit because you were kind of evolving with, like, the guys who were in the group, but it was in, in – it's living proof that it was an homage to the Four Horsemen. Triple H was a big fan of the Four Horsemen and Ric Flair, and having Ric Flair in that J.J. Dillon-type manager role where he would wrestle occasionally, helping groom the future like Orton and Batista. I mean, it was definitely a... um, a successful a successful venture on many different levels, creatively and, you know, and as well as, you know, I'm, I'm losing my train of thought here, but bottom line is is that the Randy Orton and Batista pairing with Triple H and 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 uh, Ric Flair certainly helped their careers 
and then to be honest with you, not saying that they wouldn't be successful, but what happens if they weren't in evolution? Yeah. What happens if they kind of did their own thing, and would they be as successful as quick as you know? Would they rise up to the top as quick as they did? I mean, I don't know. Is that I, I something that you think? think? They, I don't think they would have. I mean, honestly, like. Randy Orton was doing, like, his own thing as, like, the clean-cut, like, third-generation wrestler for, I don't, I mean, I honestly don't remember how long he was doing it before he was in Evolution, but whatever it was, it wasn't too memorable. Like, my first, like, like memory of Orton was when he joined Evolution. Like, it, I like I don't even remember what he was actually doing before. He that. was kind of floundering a little bit. Like, they brought him in, like, you know, almost kind of like the same way they brought in The Rock, when 96, like, the blue chipper, and, you know, he's going to be the future, and they kind of, like, in many ways, like, not crammed him down people's throats, but, like, he really wasn't established, didn't have a personality, and he got hurt, and when he got hurt, they started doing these, uh, this series of, um, of uh, vignettes where they would call it RNN News, and as a, like, a takeoff of CNN, and Orton would, like, the video would, like, be breaking news in the middle of a match or a segment and he would give you an update on his shoulder injury and he would do it in this like cocky way he was <laughs> I like i don't even remember this he would, <laughs> yeah like you go back and youtube it like you could see the early developments of that like cocky randy orton persona where like he'd be like i'd like to thank the flight attendant on the on the on, on my flight here earlier today for offering me that neck pillow it really helped my shoulder thank you very much i'll see you <laughs> later and he'd like give like a wink to the camera or something like that and then like eventually that morphed into like you know him being a part of evolution flair was kind of managing batista but they really hadn't established ev evolution yet so that was like the early parts before they really formed and eventually became the group but here's an interesting thing about evolution batista wasn't originally supposed to be the fourth guy it was supposed to be an individual by the name of Mark Jindrak. I, I actually remember. remember hearing that. Yeah, yeah, Mark Jindrak used to be in WCW, and he was a um, he was one of the lower level guys on the card, and he was a part of a group called the Natural Born Thrillers, which was like a bunch of rookies put together, and they had like they were like Kevin Nash's stooges at one point. This was towards the end of WCW when they fucking sucked, and uh, so <laughs> Probably I don't remember them. So Jindrak <laughs> kind of did this like narcissist Lex Luger character with Teddy Long and that lasted for about like three weeks where like he was you know all about his body and you know he called himself the reflection of perfection and then at one point like Solid they ditched that <laughs> and then they decided they wanted to put him in evolution but for whatever reason they changed their mind they even filmed like the vignettes of like the guys coming out of the helicopter going into the limo with all the girls and stuff and Jindrak was a part of all that and then when they changed their mind, they just cut Gingerack out of the picture, and they kept it at Flair, Orton, Batista, and Hunter. And so that, I found that to be very interesting, that they had big plans for Gingerack, and for whatever reason, they decided that wasn't the case. But, um, yeah, Evolution's a great example. The NWO's a great example. Um, in terms of, like, factions or groups, in my opinion, that I think, like, helped or were important to... Uh, individual superstars let me go through my list here because i did i did take some notes and by the way i just want to say you guys brought it with the fucking notes here donnie you got it on your phone donovan you got you know pen to paper i got you know here on my phone but if you were to say a group of 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 uh or a faction that brought importance to an individual star's um uh presentation and helped them even further 
I would have to say it'd be the nation of domination with the rock. With the rock. Yeah. I mean, the you know, the rock was doing nothing and people were hating him. Die Rocky die. They were booing him. He gets injured. He comes back and they decide they want to change things up and flip the script. And look what happened. That was probably the best career move in terms of, you know, the, the rock and the WWE at the time, because if they kept going the same course, the same path, I don't think that it would have taken him longer to get to where he is. Don't get me wrong. He's a talented son of a bitch. He's the the biggest box office draw in all of Hollywood. But I mean, The Rock was he was he was floundering. And if the and if the nation of domination didn't come along at the right time, it would have taken him longer to get there. But I think he would have been floundering a lot longer than he did before he joined the nation. I agree. Yeah. Um, which brings me to another point. We talked about this earlier. Individuals that. Uh, didn't really pan out from being in a faction. Guys that you thought had potential, but for whatever reason, just didn't, it didn't work out. Guys that you thought like, oh, them being a part of that group, they're going to be huge. I mentioned them earlier, Buff in the NWO. I thought Buff was going to be a big deal once the NWO split up, and Buff turned out that you know, turned out to be a flop, in my opinion. Um, unfortunately, but uh, give me uh, give me some examples of uh, individuals that you thought had um, potential coming out of a faction, and for whatever reason, it just didn't work. Chime in, anybody? I don't care. <laughs> uh, so I don't know if we can consider it a faction, but um, Team Angle, you know, uh, Kurt Angle, Shelton Benjamin, and Charlie Haas, you know, um, obviously Benjamin had a little stint in the decent, you know, after that faction. Um, but Charlie Haas, I thought, was kind of a disappointment. I thought he was a pretty decent wrestler um, in the ring, and I thought he had a decent mic skill from what I remember. Um, he's the first one that kind of comes to mind as far as guys that didn't really pan out. Yeah, I mean, Charlie Haas was an individual that, like, he didn't have much of a personality. I felt like if he had more of a personality on the microphone, he could have been the next Kurt Angle. Yeah. Great wrestler. Okay, tons of credentials and, and, you know, amateur wrestling background. Um, Definitely could go in the ring, but I felt like there wasn't much of a personality with him. And at the time when he was in that group, Kurt Angle was suffering from a lot of injuries. His future was in question. I always thought to myself, well, if Angle can't wrestle, he could manage this guy. He could he could manage Charlie Haas and he could make Charlie Haas into or at least help make him into a bigger star. And for whatever reason, uh, you know, that didn't pan out. Obviously, Kurt Angle, you know, he still wrestles to this day from time to time. So, I mean, injuries didn't really see, you know, they've slowed him down, certainly. But um, Charlie Haas is a great example Um for me, like I said, Buff, and we kind of talked about before we went on the air, D'Lo Brown, Chris. Mm-hmm. I want you to talk more about uh, his potential and where you thought he was going to go based on his association in the nation. I just thought that he was, like, when you think of the nation, like, honest, obviously, The Rock is your first, the first person everyone thinks of, but, like, the second person I think of is D'Lo Brown. Yeah. I don't know why. It might just be because, like, that's just... Like he might have, he might, he might have been standing next to the Rock in more, like more often in the ring than anyone else, and maybe that's just why I remember him. But like, I just thought that he had such a like, he was a fun-loving guy. It seemed like he was always smiling. He was always like the jokester of the group. But he had like the type of like build where like he was a bigger guy, but he was still quick. 
And I just thought that that would translate into more things because, like, like I said, he had the persona, he had like the ability. It's just he was never. I don't. I just don't think he was given the push. You think it was because like the fact that he was in the same faction as The Rock? Like, do you think that hurt him in a way? Potentially. I mean, because obviously, like I just said, when people think of the nation, all they think of is The Rock. Yeah. So I guess that did hurt him. Yeah. I do have another example of, yeah, yeah, of, no, please, of by all means. who I think. Yeah. Um, Legacy. Interesting. Teddy Biasi Jr. Yes. Yeah. Like, okay, all right, was, good, he good. Suppo- he was supposed to be the, like, the guy. Yeah. Like, he, like, yeah. he had the family hit, uh, history, obviously, with his father, yeah. being a million-dollar man. He was in, he was put into this group. He was great in the group from what I remember like I just remember that triple threat match like at the end of Legacy's run Wrestlemania yeah with Orton DiBiase and Cody Rhodes but like think about it when Legacy died how how much longer did DiBiase last in the company because it wasn't that much longer. No, no, it no. Really, you're right? Wasn't. Like not, very, not very much longer after that. Probably like another year or two well, at best. And, and I mean, like he and he was out of the business by the time he was like what thirty two. Yeah, thirty three. Yeah, he maybe? left. He, yeah, like, he left. He left the wrestling business fairly early. I mean, that's a great one, Ted DiBiase with like he, Legacy. I, I mean. really thought he was going to be like a big name. Well, that I, was like the, the that's the evolution kind of factor where like. Orton kind of had that role of what Triple H had in Evolution yep. to groom both Cody and uh, DiBiase. Yep. And everyone, had, like you said, looked at DiBiase like the heir apparent to the throne. He's going to be the guy. He's got a great look. He's good in the ring. But for whatever reason, they just didn't go with him. Um, they, had, they It looked like going into that WrestleMania that year, they had built up, um, you know, the showdown to be Orton and DiBiase and yep. Cody was kind of playing both sides to the middle at, at that point. Absolutely. And then they switched it up to go triple threat and Cody and DiBiase um, went against Orton. They, they kind of, you know, I wouldn't say formed their own team, but they were, they realized that like the, the, the abuse that they were going through um, under Randy Orton, it, yeah. yeah, it wasn't worth it anymore. Uh, but DiBiase is a great example because he's an individual that, I wouldn't mind seeing him come back today. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think what hurt him more than anything was the fact that they they put too much association into um, the fact that he was the son of the million-dollar man, Ted DiBiase. Yeah. When they had him wear the belt, and at yeah. one point, like, they brought Virgil back for, like, a month, and, like, <laughs> Virgil was his bodyguard again, even though Virgil didn't look like he could protect himself, let alone someone else, yeah. you know? And they paired him up with Maurice, who's now married to The Miz, and they had him, come, like I said, coming out with the million-dollar belt. Like, the association with, with his father in the beginning helped, mm-hmm. but... As time went on, I feel like he had to be able to produce on his own and not live off that name. And for whatever reason, they had put so much stock into that million-dollar man association that it hurt him potentially. I I think they should have maybe even done what Charlotte did with Ric Flair, where, you know, she kind of turned on Flair. She dumped him. Yeah, and, you know, maybe that turned him into a bad guy, and that kind of made a roll with that. Yeah, no, that's that's definitely... or Or just do what they did with... Bray Wyatt, like everyone knows, he's Rotunda, Mike Rotunda's son. Like, yeah. But like, so change him up completely. They, but they couldn't do. They had to do that from the beginning. Like they can't like start off as yeah, him being DBS's That's what I'm kid. saying. Like Bray Wyatt, like he's done so well. Same with even Bo Dallas. Like no one, like you're not supposed to know that they're Mike Rotunda's son. They're not. You're not supposed to even know that they're brothers. And the way that they portray it now is that like they don't even like 
acknowledge each other. Like, yeah. They had, like, a... I remember, like, they had the one thing in, like, the uh, background where they just, like, stared at each other and never thought, like, that would, like, go go to something. But, like, they never acknowledged it after that. And that's what they should have done with DiBiase. They should have just let him be a different character with a different name. And still, like, we would still all know who he but is. But that's, but I, I think in today's wrestling, it's kind of hard to do that because if you don't acknowledge, it's like, it's like a double-edged sword. Damned if you do, damned if you don't. Correct. If, you know, if, if you acknowledge him being, you know, the son of the million-dollar man, your expectations are, are extremely high and he might not make, you know, he might not reach yes. that level. But then if you don't acknowledge it, then you have the chance of the audience being like, wait a minute, that's the million dollar man's son. And then of course, yeah. you know how today's wrestling crowds are. They fucking hijacked the show. Yeah. So therefore there would be a, a chant of what his real name is, as opposed to what the character name is kind of like what they did in the beginning with Bray Wyatt. Everyone knew he was Bray Wyatt or everyone knew he was the son of, you know, Erwin R. Scheister, Mike Rotundo, but they would, they would, you know, fans would chant like his real name in the beginning. And obviously, Bray's character was strong enough that people eventually got away from that, yeah. and they and they gravitated to the Bray Wyatt character. But um, they still chant Husky Harris every once in a while. Yeah, every once in a while. Yeah, they will, you know, chant Husky Harris or even his real. Well, I forget what his real. I think his name. I think his real name is like Duke or something. Duke Rotundo. Uh, it's either Duke is either Bodas or uh, Bray Wyatt. I, can't I, I forget exactly. I. I it goes to show how much research I've done on Bray Wyatt for this show, but uh, um, yeah, I mean it's it's a it's a double edged sword. Damned if you do, damned if you don't. Kind of almost worked with Cody Rhodes when he ended up going with uh, um, Goldust you when know? he did the Stardust yeah, character. Yeah, I think it kind of it somewhat worked out for. Him. I mean, not in oh, the end. He, in the end, he hated that. <laughs> yeah, no, in the end, I think it, it was a cool idea at first, and but then you know. I don't know. I, I, I didn't. Do. I didn't think it was long. It had long term legs. Yeah, like, I definitely. felt like it's something that like could have been short term, and then eventually goes back to being a revitalized Cody Rhodes. Yeah, but, yeah. like the Stardust thing. I, I dug parts of it, but then there were other parts of it. I was like, all right, yeah, enough, yeah. Uh, enough of this definitely shit. Way too long here. Uh, all right, um, we've talked about you know guys that you know you thought would. Uh, you know, succeed in factions that didn't. But give me some factions that, like, produced all around the best talent. Almost like a super, like a dream team of sorts. Not your own dream faction, because we're going to get into that later. But I know it's not a... I'm kind of throwing you off here, because I know you guys took some notes. And, by the way, I had these guys take notes, because I wanted to, to, to really all of us be in sync when it came to the conversation. I'm real meticulous about this podcast, as some of you can tell. So I had the guys take notes, and, uh, they, like I said, they brought it with the notes, you know, Donovan's got you know pen to paper. Donnie's got uh, you know stuff on his phone. But uh, give me a, give me some factions that you liked that you thought were like super dream teams. Like I'll start off. How about this? The NWO Wolfpack. Okay, you had Kevin Nash at one point. You had Macho Man. You had Sting. You had Lex Luger. You had Conan. Like those were like the core guys in the Wolfpack when the NWO had split off and. Conan was probably the one that like needed the rub the most, obviously, and his association with the NWO certainly helped. But Luger had been a multi-time world champion. Sting, Savage, Nash, all very established. Definitely, in my opinion, one of the um, one of the uh, like stacked factions in pro wrestling history. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree with you. I mean, I I love the Wolfpack. Like, I like them more than the black and white NWO. Really? I did. Because okay. I, like, I thought it was such a cool change. 
when him, when I say that, like I laughed as soon as I said that because literally all they did was change the color. <laughs> like they yeah. changed the color of the lettering, yeah, and it made it a completely different faction. Which think back on it, how the heck did they pull that off? Like literally, a lot of people think it was stupid. I'm not gonna lie. Like I, I've I talked, lo- to I loved it. I thought the split was cool because it made sense that like you know that the, there were too many people. Well, not only that, it was too many people, but like it made sense that like at some point like the empire had to fall. Yep. You know, like the NWO had been running roughshod for so long. Like at some point, it had to end, and I I thought it was a cool way to capitalize still on the NWO name and the, the 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 story behind it but like adding a different layer a different dimension to it by like branching off with like Nash and the Wolf Pack um I mean it didn't I didn't I wasn't crazy about it when they reunited again after the um the finger poke of doom which will you know which is going to be a discussion on a future episode of kicking out it too stay tuned for that uh we're going to dive deep into the finger poke of doom but i thought like the nwo went way too long um but yeah so you know chris give me a faction that you thought was um like stacked like you just looked at them and you were like they're unstoppable nobody can can get through them i mean we've talked about them like a lot already this show. Yep. Evolution. Like, when you really... (laughs) Yeah. When you really think... it's a good one. When you really think about it, like, you just thought... You asked us to talk about, like, our dream faction, which we'll bring up later in the show, but, like, when I think of a dream faction, I think of four... uh, Three things. A talker, the muscle, and two people who work really well together and basically can run the thing as a, like, tag team. And that's what I think of... Like, a small faction, obviously. Yeah, I'm not, yeah, well, I'm yeah, not yeah. making, like, the NWO with yeah, 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 guys. Yeah. But, like, they had their... Like, first of all, Hunter and Flair were both talkers. Like, they yep. were two of the best talkers in the history of the business. Yep. Obviously, Batista was the muscle. And... But he was also... It was him and Flair as tag team champs for yep. a considerable time. Yeah. And even, even so, you can always put Batista with... Orton, yep. and have that as your tag team, and like, it just worked out so well because they were just like, they're. I'm pretty sure their moniker was they were the past, present, and future of wrestling. Yep, that was what yep. their evolution's like motto was. Yeah. That was all. That was the whole theory behind you know the. the concept. They were just so dominant. Yeah, like any the fact any that, situation you put them in, it worked. Is what yeah. you're saying? Yeah, and and what, like when they would come out when like they would be dressed to the nines and everyone yeah. thought like they were fucking awesome. Like yeah, the girls wanted them and the guys wanted to be them. That yeah. kind of stuff. Like they they hit everything, and like it was just they were just so dominant for what like what they were. Yeah. You elaborate, you know, Donnie, you elaborate because you just said, you know, evolution was your pick. Yeah, I agree with everything Donovan just said. And you, like, another thing, too, is that you look at all four of those guys and you knew that they were champions, world heavyweight champions. Yep. You know, you, you know, Randy Orton had the Intercontinental title during that reign. Um, I think Batista did, too, didn't he, at one point? No, he was tag champ. Just a tag yeah, champ. Yeah, tag Flair. champ. But you knew, obviously, Ric Flair was a one of the best champions. Triple H was one of the best champions. You knew Batista was going to get the championship. You Same thing Orton with Orton. too, yeah. You know, and like Donovan also said, you know, you could put two guys together and it was going to work fine. It's like a tag team. Yeah. Or, you know, you knew if you had um, Batista and Orton together and Flair on the sidelines, you knew Flair was going to kind of be the dirtiest player of the game and help them succeed. You know, kind of like that. They were also a great 
um, bad guy faction too. You know, yeah, where they gelled really well together. Yeah, for yeah. Them, yeah. It's that formula that the Horsemen had. You know, like if if there's another group, I, I would say that like was stacked in terms of, um, you know, like looking at them and like they're unstoppable. It's multiple incarnations of the Four Horsemen. Uh, my first, in, like I said, my first introduction into factions was the Four Horsemen with Ric Flair, Arn Anderson, Tully Blanchard, and Lex Luger. Um, you had Flair as the talker. You had the two guys as a team, like Arn and Tully, and then you had the muscle in Lex Luger with J.J. Dillon as the manager. I mean, to me, like, I looked at them and I was like, holy cow, how's Dusty Rhodes and the Road Warriors and Nikita Koloff? How are they going to stop the four horsemen? Like, those guys are just they're, I mean, I wasn't saying this at, at five or six years old, but they were badass. Yeah. You know, in hindsight, they were badass. And, and there are other incarnations of the Horsemen that you could say had that, like, stacked, unstoppable feeling. Um, the next incarnation, which was Flair, Arn Tully, and Barry Windham, which was the version that went into the WWE Hall of Fame in 2012. Um, Barry wasn't so much muscle, but he was like... Barry Wyndham was in, like, the Randy Orton, Batista kind of role, where, like, he was really good in the ring. He had a ton of potential athletic ability, out the ass, um, decent talker, and, you know, being paired with established guys like Ric Flair, Arn Anderson, and Tully Blanchard was only going to help his career move forward. Um, those two versions of the Four Horsemen, in my opinion, were probably the best ones because they just were so dominant. Granted, people will argue with me and say that the original four with Flair, Arn, Tully, and Oli were the best. But if you want to argue with me on that point, that's fine. You can argue with me on social media, facebook.com forward slash kickingout2. Or on Twitter, at kickingout2, K-I-C-K-N-O-U-T and the number two. You'll be allowed your opinion, but... You'll still be wrong, in my opinion. So, <laughs> so you can have solid plug, by the way. You can have. Thank you very much. I've been learning how to do that, you, you know, throughout the course of this journey here and kicking out of two social media plugs up the ass. I'm sure I'll have a few more as time goes on. Uh, you know, I, while we're on the topic of social media. On, I posed a question on Facebook recently on the Kicking Out at Two Facebook page, and we had a few individuals, uh, you know, chime in and give me their thoughts on. Uh, on, on some of their favorite factions in history. So as I go through here and look at some of our posts on social media, uh, scroll, 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 because I'm an old curmudgeon. Here we go. All right. Um, Jamie Garabedian said the top two factions from each organization were in WCW was the Four Horsemen and the NWO, and from the WWF, the Hart Foundation and D-Generation X. Um, he solid said, answers. Yeah, definitely solid answers. Um, factions that most people here, here he said something. He goes here, he goes, and a faction that most people might not like from each, but I did, would be the Dungeon of Doom from WCW. Oh God, was that what was Yes, and the Corporate Ministry, which we kind of touched yep. upon earlier. Um, the Dungeon of Doom. That was before your time, Donnie. I'll, yeah, it definitely I'm gonna was. Say, I'm going to say that right away. Yeah, yeah. That was even kind of before my time, but I do remember Kevin Sullivan. Donnie, his... before you were a stain on the sheets, my friend, uh, <laughs> the Dungeon of Doom was wreaking havoc in WCW against Hulkamania. Wow. Yeah. Kevin Sullivan's one dream was to rid the world of Hulkamania. And, like, he obviously never succeeded, but... <laughs> 
Yeah, think about it for a minute here, okay? The Dungeon of Doom consisted of Kevin Sullivan, who was already an established name yep. in, in wrestling with his days in Florida against Dusty and some of his early stuff as a as the leader of the Varsity Club. Oh, if you remember the Varsity Club, Rick that. Steiner, Dr. Death Steve Williams, Mike Rotundo, and Kevin Sullivan. Uh, I would say that would probably be one of the more underrated groups, and we'll, we'll touch upon underrated factions later. But... Um, Sullivan and the Dungeon of Doom was like this. Google it, Donnie, when you get a chance. I mean, they were, you know, the epitome of what, like, carnival circus-like characters were in (laughs) professional wrestling. I mean, you had Kevin Sullivan known as the Taskmaster. And you and you had Kamala. Kamala was Kamala, you know, with mm-hmm. the rub the moons on his belly, you know, slapping his belly. And then you had um, you had Brutus the Barber Beefcake, who played the Zodiac. Oh. Uh, you had uh, the Giant, which would eventually become the Big Show, who was probably the most successful character out of the Dungeon of Doom. Yep. Um, you had Meng, who was once King Haku in the WWF. You had oh, this is a really dumb one, and I and I touched upon this during our um, during our uh, the our pilot episode of the the bash the beach watch along, the fucking shark. Oh God! Who was once oh, earthquake God. in the WWF? Yeah. Earthquake almost ended Hulkamania in 1999. I was I was so this devastated that I I wrote a letter. To tugboat on Wrestling Challenge in hopes that I was going to get that letter read on the air, and they took Earthquake and turned him into the fucking shark, where they they painted his face like with like white teeth along the side of his beard, and they made so him bad. wear like a fucking like a shark fin on top of his head. Like it and was, he was huge. Like he was the biggest shark I've ever seen. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, God bless him. God rest his soul. I mean, I loved him as Earthquake. He was such a great big man, but like. What the fuck were they thinking when it came to yeah the door yeah the, no that's all right the door the door has a tendency to to, to shut open there yeah no 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 Donovan just I opened. didn't see the door and I tried touching one of the one of the oh, toys oh jeez so I so I have I have some old uh, Hasbro action figures as some of you might know in a glass case and so. earthquake was right in the front and center so I wanted to see them and yeah yep, there's a door there guys yeah. <laughs> so yeah can't Don- make this stuff up yeah Donovan needs glasses apparently <laughs> we'll we'll be recording his eye exam on the next edition of Kicking Out It 2. But, um, yeah, no, the Dungeon of Doom was awful. Like, if you Google it, like, I'm, I'm apologizing for the amount of time you're losing in your life to, 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 to watch and research the Dungeon of Doom. Uh, but like I said, Big Show became the biggest star out of that group. Um when it comes to uh, you and know. like it's by default too. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> no one, ever, no one else really ever became anything. After and do that. you remember too that like when he first made his debut as part of the Dungeon of Doom, they tried to portray him as Andre the Giant's son. Yep, that was awful. That was really bad. Yeah, like really, really bad. Yeah, like even at like twelve years old, you knew I, it wasn't true. I th- yeah, I was like, that's such bullshit. I'm like. Paul he doesn't Ray. even look like Andre, and Andre's <laughs> ugly as fuck. God rest his soul. But like yes, Andre was, was. An, uh, Andre was an ugly dude. Like not gonna lie, respect what he's done for the business. But holy cow, you know, respect I, the amount he could drink, the amount yeah, he could drink, and <laughs> what he, HBO uh, HBO classic. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. No, that was a great that was a great documentary on Andre. Definitely, they they did justice by him. Um, Ronaldo Ronaldo Santiago, an individual I've done some work with on the Ken Reedy show. Uh, he posted some pictures of some uh, 
of factions. Uh, the Nation of Domination, which we discussed, which was Farouk, The Rock, uh, Kama Mustafa, who ended up becoming the Godfather, and D'Lo Brown. Um, yeah. And then The Brood. Edge, Christian, and Gangrel. Uh, and he writes, uh, still one of the greatest entrances in WWE history, in uh, my opinion. Hon- honestly, you told us to talk about, like, you make a list. Like, your Check favorite it twice. Mo- yeah, your favorite moment. <laughs> Find your out breakout, your nice. star and everything. <laughs> honestly, for The Brood, my favorite moment, I wrote intro. Because I agree, their intro was fantastic. The fire, yeah, like, that, that was pretty cool. Like Coming it was so cool. Like I, and then, like I watched, I recently watched the uh, table for three, or it was actually table for four. This episode on WWE Network nine ninety nine. I could plug that, I guess. Um, yeah, and <laughs> why not? It was with Edge, Christian, and Hardy Boys. Yep. And Edge, who were also part of the brood, at yeah, one point. for until they became until literally that was right up until that ladder match, the ladder match, exactly. Yeah. So, but Edge even mentioned like the, he he brought up the intro and how like they would come in. He's, he even talked about his jacket catching fire one time, and basically you remember when Edge would come in in those like leather, like the like fake leather like jumpsuit like trench coat. Things. Yes, and he talked about it was literally melting on him, and he had to take it off as soon as he got off the like fire, like ring, the rope of fire, because it was a <laughs> rope that they lit on fire every time. Hot topic was certainly uh, a, a, a regular <laughs> stop. Yes, on the for the brood, yeah. those guys in the oh, clothes for, Ed, that they for wore, Edge of Christian in general with the mesh shirts and oh, like yeah. the the crosses, and you know they looked also emo. Yeah, you know. <laughs> emo before emo. Was cool. Emo before emo <laughs> was cool. That's right. That is right. All right. Um, where are we at now? Let's see here. Uh, importance to factions, individual. Blah blah blah. Okay, here we go. Here's a, here's a topic I think we could sink our teeth into. Factions that you didn't... Oops, sorry about that. Factions that you didn't think had a chance at being successful, but you were proven wrong. Give me some. Uh, Mr. Garcia, we will start with you. So, you might, you might think this is funny, but no, too no. cool. I, Did you really think that they were going to be as big as they were? They were I fun. had the... I wanted That's to talk about that one. earlier. I didn't even, I didn't even like, think of that. That's a good one. One breakout star because only Rikishi became cool after yeah, that. Yeah, like they were they were too cool then, but Rikishi was actually too cool for them. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and that that I mean, who would have thought that the guy doing the worm and the guy you know with the, the that do rag and the glasses, you know, who would have thought that that they would have been as big as they were. They were so huge, you know, so popular. I thought they were so annoying at first. I was like, here we go. Like, And, and I was like, two white guys that think they're cool, like, you know, hip-hop. <laughs> like, they think they're, like, from, like, they're thugs or whatever, you know? With they the, were not. The fubu and, you know, yeah. all the stuff they were wearing and the baggy Sideways pants. Sideways and visors. Yeah, the visors and the bucket hats that it was cut open so that Scotty Tuati's hair. Like, <laughs> like, I just thought, like, they were so obnoxious. I was like... Someone needs to beat these guys up. Like, I couldn't stand them. And then, like, they put them with Rikishi. And I was like... Everybody likes a fat guy that can dance. Yeah, but I didn't get... You know, as a teenager, I didn't understand that. I was like, what the fuck are they doing with him? And why is he wearing a thong? Like, what's so appealing about, like, these... I don't... To me, I looked at it as a teenager. I was like, I don't know two white guys who think they're black that hang out with a fat Samoan guy that likes to show his dimply ass. I was like, how can I relate to that? Because I couldn't. But uh, it, it, a serious question then, and because you, you just brought up, how can I relate to them? 
over under 10 times in your life that you have tried to do the worm? I can't give you the over under, but I've done it. I did it at the, <laughs> I did it at the school dance and it got a big pop. 100%. <laughs> Sophomore year, I tried to Halloween do it. School it dance. never worked out for me, though. I did all right. I, wouldn't, I, I wasn't on that Scotty Too Hottie level when it came to the worm, but like I did the whole bit where like I, oh, yeah. there was a circle at the school dance, and I did the whole, like I looked around trying to gain, like, yep, yeah, there you go. As, yeah, I did that. I tried getting a pop from everyone. I probably got like four people that actually knew what the fuck I was doing, and everyone's like, what the hell? Everyone else thought you were just like weirding out. What is Rosenbluth doing? I was like, it, 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 I'm telling you, it was it was a, it was a sight to be seen or not be seen, and that's probably one of the reasons why my love life in high school was not as successful. Probably because of my my instance with the worm at the Halloween dance my sophomore year. But uh, that's totally a, worth it. I didn't even think of that one, Donnie. That's a good one. Do you have any others? Uh, not not off the top of my head. That, that was the, my main one. It was too cool. You, my friend, Chris, tell me. Who, right who? to censor. Like, <laughs> how, in the Attitude Era, how did a group, like, the right to censor, who wanted to ban everything, ban, like, skin showing, like, how did, how were they as successful as they were? Like, with arguably the worst faction leader of all time. Stephen Stevie Richards. Richards. <laughs> like, when you really think about it, think about all of the factions that we've talked about. They've all had a great leader. Yes. And then now we're talking about right to censor with Stevie fucking Richards. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, you, no offense, Stevie. If you're listening, dude, no, you, you pulled it off. <laughs> yeah, well I mean... Uh, <laughs> like, jeez. How no. did that work out? Like, they turned the pimp... A.K.A. the Godfather into the Good Father. Yes, they added one O. Val Venus. <laughs> Val Venus. Oh, yeah. Hello, ladies. Yeah. To nothing. Yeah. <laughs> like, no. You're how? Yeah, I, I can't. You know, you, you make a great point there. With when it comes to the right to censor, I mean, in the in the midst of the Attitude Era, when you had you know titties popping out, and everyone yeah. telling everyone to suck it, and this guy over here is like, sacrificing, hanging someone from the top of the fucking ceiling, and you know, like you know, Jerry King Lawler just talking about puppies. Yeah, but Lawler <laughs> with the puppies, and you know, like, how the, did right to censor work? Yeah, I mean, well, you know what? It worked because they were the extreme opposite. Yeah, ex- exactly. They yeah. were the opposite of what we wanted in wrestling at that time, and they were the ultimate bad guys. Like, I felt like when it came to right to censor, like they definitely served a purpose. It yep. worked, um, and I don't think it could have gone any farther than it did. You know what no. I mean? Like, I don't think like it was one of those situations where you know, like. I have with other instances where I'm like, man, they could have done so much more with that. Kind of like what you said with the corporate ministry. Like, to me, right to censor, like, once it was done, it was done. Like, I wasn't like, oh, please reunite the right to censor (laughs) so I could hear that annoying fucking beeping sound in their theme music. And that's the other thing, too, the music. The theme music for that that group. Like, as, as much as you wanted to see guys like them get beat up like it was their music before the match even started that was more annoying for me because it was just this eh, eh, eh. it yeah, was just was like bad. so loud and annoying I remember, I remember the royal i can't remember what year it was and they had like four or five guys in the rumble <laughs> yeah, they're all in the rumble every scene. single time they freaking did the eh, eh. Yeah. i was like dude <laughs> like i'm done with these guys now <laughs> you know what this is a topic i know we didn't really talk about when it when it came to factions but Entrance music in factions. Give me some of your favorite entrance music from any faction. 
We'll start with you, Mr. Garcia. Degeneration X. Yeah. I literally, I literally yeah. gave you the floor because yeah. I knew you were going to bring it up, and I was just like, it yeah. had, like, yeah, hundred percent. The yeah. first song you think of when you think of a faction is Degeneration X. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Even when it, when it, like, when the first chord strikes today, you are still going to get jazzed oh, up. Yeah. And I'm not yeah. saying just you. I'm saying every wrestling fan. Hundred percent. No, absolutely. Every everybody knows. Fan. Everybody knows the words. And, even when it was like a different degeneration. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and even when you had like uh, the road dog doing his thing, everybody knew what the road dog was going to say. Or yeah, yeah. Knew exactly what Triple H was going to say yeah. every single time. They hung you on know? every word. Yeah. Every single thing. DX you know? is definitely one for me personally. Got to be the NWO. I yep. mean that music like, that like classic. you know that 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 classic like porno ripoff music like i just <laughs> thought it was like so cool like even like if you go back a few years ago at wrestlemania when they had that wrestlemania in california and like the nwo had come out oh yeah and did that re- when like hogan hall and nash helped sting in his match with triple h like that music like everybody popped for that like the whole stadium i remember my brother telling me you know his 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 account of it he was everyone was on their feet everyone was like jazzed up that you know the nwo not only was returning but just the chord of that music like struck that whole stadium i'll never it's one of the most memorable moments for me as a wrestling fan because it was just so cool that like they brought they were able to like take that nostalgia yeah. and bring it into D- that match DX at the time dx out. was part of that too D- yeah dx came out first yeah and everyone was like oh crap like who's gonna come out for sting like you i didn't even like it didn't even cross my NWO mind didn't cross my mind either, at yeah. all like i yeah. thought it was gonna be like like wcw like brother and dp like, or something like yeah. and all of a sudden nwo comes out i was like Okay, I'm okay yeah. with this. <laughs> oh yeah, no, it was cool. Like they broke the rules to entertain you. And yeah. I thought that was really cool. Definitely NWO. Ev- I liked Evolution's uh, theme song. Uh, ah yeah. yeah. With uh, with Motorhead, I thought that was pretty cool. Yep. Um, definitely dug that. It had that like, it, it it was very edgy, but it was like slow and methodical, and I I, I, I just dug it all around. I'm not I'm not the biggest Motorhead guy. I know a lot of people that like Motorhead as a band, but I. If I could name one Motorhead song, it's called Ace of Spades. The other one is the Evolution theme <laughs> yeah. song. That's 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 and as, as much Triple as I know of Motorhead. Triple yeah. H always has the. He had Motorhead. Yeah, he's got Motorhead on you know yeah. his, his main theme. Yeah, yeah. The King of Kings one, the game. Yeah, so I mean, definitely Thank some you. of the, uh, the the best uh, entry. You had DX, Chris. Anyone else you think of that comes? I to mean, mind? obviously we talked about the Brood intro. This song, like, it wasn't even like a song. I think it was just like a melody and it was it just worked out so well with the fire with the intro like yep. it, it just like like if it was like a different like melody like it might not have been as cool of an intro but like it just gelled perfectly yeah you know another one that like i think of is um the white family like yes it was different yeah and it meshed really well with their characters yeah kind of like slow and then here, here comes bray with the the lamp you know i thought yeah. that was a real i think that was great music for them if I, I'm going to bring up another one, because I, I, I immediately thought of it because I looked at my notes and I saw them listen and I know we hadn't talked about them. And it's a really bad intro, but then again, they were such a bad faction that the intro just made sense for them. The Spirit Squad. Oh my <laughs> like, god, yes. like It was so bad, but it was oh. like, it just, like, if they didn't have that intro, I feel like... It wouldn't. They wouldn't have been as like terribly funny. Like, yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. And I obviously, mean, we all know like the Spirit Squad like produced Dolph Ziggler. Well, that's yeah. the only thing they did. Yeah. <laughs> and they were 
they were Mr. McMahon's puppets. Yeah, I, I didn't, I mean, they were annoying, and I, I enjoyed seeing them get beat up, but, like, the joke got old pretty quickly oh, yeah, for me. Easily. Like, after, like, they went through, like, the 12th handicap match losing to DX, yeah. you know, I was the like, fact, the fact that I was like, alright, you guys are done! But then they won the tag titles. Like, people forget that. They yeah. won the tag titles. Yeah, that's true. Like as they beat Big Show and Kane, all five of them. <laughs> but they beat Big Show and Kane. Uh, what was it Kenny D- Kenny Dykstra? Yeah, it was Kenny Dykstra. There was Dolph. Kenny Nikki. Which was Dolph was Nick. Yeah, Nikki, which actually his real name, I believe, is Nick. Uh, uh, Kenny, so, yeah. Nikki, Mikey, Johnny. Kenny, Nikki, Mikey, Johnny. Um, yeah, they uh, forgettable. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I forget. Anyhow, <laughs> back to the, the 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 better factions. The faction that surprised me of a level of success, excuse me, that that they attained a faction that I didn't think was going to be as popular. Um, that didn't to me really didn't really have uh, it didn't really connect with me very well. But I I, I took a liking to it eventually. Was um, let me look through my list here. Now I'm losing my train of thought. Look at that. Well, what do you know? Um, the Nexus. Okay. Uh, when oh, they first... I love their debut. The debut was awesome. Like, their debut was probably one of the best debuts in the history of factions. Like, the they... Like, that was... I remember, like, watching it, like, jaw, like, on the floor. Like, what is happening right now? Like, and the fact that they just went straight after the biggest star in the company. No, that was cool. And, and I think they, I think the, the Nexus got fucked up when they they lost that match at SummerSlam. Because I felt like they should have won and they really would have gained momentum. Yes. But, like, Agreed. probably, like, the first few weeks of, like, them being together, the first few months were, like, it was, like, red hot. I was, like, holy cow. Like, these young guys are, 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 are making a splash. And they're, they're, they took out John Cena and eventually Vince and Bret Hart and things like that. But I did make a boo-boo. I said to you that that was a faction that I was surprised at their success. I, I, I made a boo-boo. I meant to say... The Aces and Eights from TNA. Ooh. Well, the, the, I didn't know we were going off yeah. off the WWE. Yeah, we are. I, I mean, like you it. know, we kind of talk all wrestling here, you know, but I did make a boo-boo. I meant to say Aces and Eights and not the Nexus, but I'm glad that we brought the Nexus into conversation because they're a group, I think, that had potential, and for whatever reason, it just didn't pan out. But the Aces and Eights, I looked at it. When they fir- are you familiar with the Aces and Eights? No, biker? I'm not. Okay, from TNA. All right, so so that's all right. So they were at like a biker group, like Sons of Anarchy. It was okay. like it was yeah, the five, and yeah. they would all wear masks and different hoods and things like that. Somehow so you, you didn't, didn't know, know who they were. You didn't know who was behind the group, but they were attacking like Sting and and uh, you know. Yeah, AJ Styles and Austin Aries, guys in TNA. And at first, I was like, well. Who's going to care about these nobodies? We don't even know who they are. Like I I I was like this is going to this is going to be stupid. Yep. And then like they really kept you interested each and every week because it was a mystery. Yep. You know, because you didn't know who was behind that. That was at like the height of TNA. Like when TNA had like its like highest viewership probably was yeah. during before the reveal of the leader in uh, Aces and Ace. I feel like that's like when people like it was on a different night than well, wrestling. I want to yep. say it was on Thursdays. Impact. Yes. Yep. And they just it it worked. And like you said, it, you didn't think it would. 
No, you didn't. I mean, and I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed how they made you wait for you know who was involved in the group. Like in the beginning, like you know the that year, the main uh, one of the main events at Bound for Glory was Sting and Bully Ray against um, the Aces and Eights, but you didn't know who the Aces and Eights were. Yeah, and then they revealed that one of them was Devon, and I was like. Oh, this is interesting. I'm like, now you're kind of putting him in a role where he's more important as opposed to him kind of being in a tag team with Bubba. Testify. You know? And and at one point, you know, history goes back. We kind of talked about this off air. The Dudleys were a faction. Yeah. You had Bubba. You had Devon. You had Spike. You had Big Dick Dudley. And to kind of school That's you guys. ECW for their kids. Yeah, ECW, <laughs> yeah. And, for, and to school, you know, the two of you, it, it went bigger than that. You had Joel Gertner was their, was their ring announcer. You had Sign Guy Dudley. You had, um, you had Dances with Dudley, which was like a Native American Dudley at one point. Oh, you had like Dudley Dudley. You had Snot Dudley. You had all different kinds of Dudleys. So many Dudleys. Yeah, there was so many Dudleys. A lot of a lot of Dudley juice was spread around Dudleyville uh, at, at one point um, in wrestling history. But uh, going back to the Aces and Eights, I just thought like, wow, like they're going to do something important with Devon. I can kind of get behind this. And then slowly but surely, they would reveal more guys. Luke Gallows, who's now in yeah. WWE. You had Mike Doc, Knox. Wasn't he like Doc or something? Yeah, he was Doc Gallows. Yeah, um, something. You had. Uh, Wes Briscoe, who was Jerry Briscoe's kid, yep. they kind of, they really put helped put that story together. D'Lo Brown was a part of the Aces and Eights yep. at one point, which I didn't really Garrett, care for. Garrett Bischoff. Garrett Bischoff. I mean, you had your underlink guys, the guys that didn't, you know, that were going to take the majority of the beatings. And I was one of I, my favorite reveals from that group was Taz. Oh, with the wedding, I and, and Brooke Hogan's wedding with Bully Ray. Yep. Oh yes. Yes, and he literally just like he hey. was Bully's best man, and he put the he pulled the, yeah. the coat off, and he had the the cut on. Oh man, I remember that? I forgot about that. Wow! And then they then they all they they ruin the wedding like most wrestling weddings do. They yeah. get ruined. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean that was definitely one of the factions that I thought like it was going to be stupid, but for whatever reason, it it it, it was a lot more successful. And I was disappointed when it ended because I thought that there could have been there could have been more. To the group. They just, once like Bully Ray, who eventually became the leader, lost the title, um, they just, they quickly, like, the downfall, like, of yeah, the group it was, was, it was quick. Yeah, it was really quick. I was like, damn, they could still keep going with this. Like, I just didn't understand it. But uh, there's that group. And then another group that I didn't really see too much in, but they did, they did fairly well for themselves. And we kind of talked about it, Donnie, was the New Day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, let's let's think about it here for a minute. When New Day jumped on the scene, Power everyone positive. immediately <laughs> thought it was like this is the new nation of domination, just because they put three black guys together. I mean, you know what I mean? To be fair, that's correct. <laughs> like, <laughs> wow. That is one hundred percent what everyone thought. <laughs> no, and you're right. I mean, that's what a lot of people thought. It's fucked up, but whatever. Yeah, it is. It is <laughs> fucked up, and I mean, and you know, we might have to edit that part portion of this podcast out before it makes air. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> but, well, <you> know. <laughs> but in all seriousness, New Day. 
Now they're four years strong. They've had several runs with the tag team titles. People may not consider them a faction because it's only three guys, but it's my show, so fuck you. Um, <laughs> that's what I think. Didn't they just win the titles? Yeah, they just won the titles, yeah, not too long ago from no, the, the, this the, week. The Bludgeon Brothers. To be fair, I think Rowan got hurt. Yeah, uh, yeah Rowan tore his bicep, so he's he's out. You know, And we'll talk about you know why it's at some point on another day. But... Um, yeah, I mean, let's They're, talk about New Day for a minute here. You, give me your thoughts on your initial thoughts on New Day starting out and what they've become now. So when they first came out, correct me if I'm wrong, didn't all of them wear like jeans and a white T-shirt, or was that kind of like part of like the gospel? Like, I, I, for some reason, that pops up to me when they when they first came out with the gospel and their um, their music was like the, uh, the church power of positivity. Yeah, and it was it's always a new day and you know that kind of nonsense. And that was really horrendous. You, nobody could really bought that at all. And um, you know, then they kind of went in a different direction. And then you know, I mean, look what they're they're at now. You know, they're everybody. Like, they're another one with the intro music. You know, everybody knows when you hear Big E, ah, oh, Brooklyn. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like everybody ties right into that. You yeah. Know? Don't be sour. You know. So I feel like they they really branched out when they showed their true uh, personalities. You know. And I think, like you have, you know, uh, Xavier Woods with the with the trombone there, yeah. you know, and then Biggie's always doing the dancing, and the, you know, they all have their own thing, and I think they brought it in and really is working well. Yeah, I mean, I didn't, th- I I was hoping for success for the three of them because I thought like all three guys very talented, and I wanted to see them do well, and I'm happy that they are doing well because I think that they're. Um, you know, tremendous athletes. They work really well together as a unit, as a trio, a faction, if you will. Yes, they're still a faction. Fuck you if you don't think so. Um, <laughs> but uh, I wasn't like in the beginning. I was, you know, the 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 vignettes with like you know the the church choir in the background, and I was like, oh, yeah. they're gonna kind of go religious. I'm like, oh. I'm like religion and wrestling really don't work out too yeah. well, and they 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 pulled you for a loop. You know what I mean? Because they went from now they're just like a couple of goofy guys that like Who just knows? like to have fun. You know, like I don't understand the whole pancake right. thing, but a lot of people like it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I'm not a I'm a Belgian waffle guy. I'm not a pancake <laughs> guy. I'll be honest with I you. Like eggs. Yeah, yeah, I like eggs too. But you know, when it comes to you know uh, Bisquick, it's you know all about Belgian waffles for me. Uh, but yeah, they're a group that. Definitely stands the test of time, and I know that we talk a lot more throwback here when it comes to the, the content I'm kicking out of too. But I would be remiss if we didn't touch upon some of the more current groups in today's wrestling world, like uh, the New Day and uh, another group, the Shield. Yeah, I mean, three guys who were put together from the WWE's developmental territory system and really worked well together, and are probably, I would have to say the most popular group of this era. Would you would you would you, would you agree, disagree, where are you at with the Shield? Yeah, I would agree. They're, I mean they're definitely up there. Uh um, yeah. They're I definitely would say they're the most influential group in the past what? Five years? Yeah. I mean and and here's another group that from today's landscape of wrestling that there's definitely potential and I feel like they really still haven't tapped into it. The Wyatts. Oh, you and yeah. I have talked about it a hundred times, Donnie. hundred like, percent. The, 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 the amount of potential that they could go with that group. I mean, their association, all three of them together. Like, you know, I'm not a big Bludgeon Brothers guy. Like, the name, I think, is silly. So dumb. I don't like the hammers, the mallets. 
but I, I I get behind the Wyatts. They have this like like cult like you know down in the dirt swamp look vibe to them that like you know I can get behind that. I feel like there's there's they really ha- I feel like they really haven't scratched the surface when it came to the Wyatts. I agree. I one hundred percent agree with that. I mean, and I think they. I, I think they will eventually go back to it. Oh, yeah. I, 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 I think so, too. Like, why is, what, like, Matt Hardy's, like, stooge at this point? Yeah, I'm not and, really big on that And now with Rowan tearing his bicep, like, what's going to happen with Harper? Like, I don't know. It's, it, it will be interesting. I, I could see them resor- resorting back to that when the time comes for Rowan to return. Yeah, I mean, I've you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they kind of reintroduce it in some ways now with Rowan being out, and maybe they groom to you know they they, they work towards you know bringing Rowan back into the mix here uh, when it comes to uh, you know the Wyatt family. But um, all right, let's talk about um, some underrated factions, factions that don't get enough love, factions that are um, in your mind should be in the conversation with the DXs, the Horsemans, the NWOs, groups that you think that just, you know, like I said, they need to be at the top of the list in terms of greatest factions of all time. But for whatever reason, they don't get discussed. It'll be, it, I will start this off by going back to the first faction I brought up on the show, the Heart Foundation. Like, why are they not regarded as one of the best Factions of all time. Like, think about it. Bret Hart is arguably the best wrestler of all time. And argue that. Go on the Facebook page, Twitter poll, argue with me on that. I'll I'll throw my two cents in because I, <laughs> I think Bret Hart is arguably the best wrestler of all time. Okay. And, the, like I said, the family atmosphere of that faction just made that faction so much more memorable than any other faction in the history of wrestling. Like, I think that, like, they should be considered maybe not the best faction of all time, but easily top five. I mean, I I put them in the conversation with the DXs and the NWOs, and the only reason why I do that... Um, there actually there's a couple of reasons I should say. One, the family dynamic that you brought up mm-hmm. um, and how yep. relatable that can be to so many people that come from big families. But the other reason why I put them in the conversation with the DXs and the NWOs is the fact that they took a storyline and they divided they, they, they divided an audience geographically, you know, yeah. where you had the United States of America rooting for wrestlers like Stone Cold Steve Austin and Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker. And then you had Canada and other parts of the world that were solidly behind Bret Hart, Noen and the Hart Foundation and, and Davy Boy and Pillman and Anvil and the 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 family dynamic. It was something to me that like was never done before in wrestling and I have a hard time believing that they will be able to do something like that ever again. Yeah. Successfully. Well yeah, successfully. Donnie, uh who do you think deserves to be in the conversation of, of, of factions in wrestling, in terms of top factions in wrestling history? Underrated factions, in your opinion. I, mean, I definitely agree with uh, Chris, for sure. You know, the Hart Foundation definitely don't get enough credit. You know, they, it's the whole family. It's the, the history, you know. Yep. Like, like you said, it won't be duplicated, I don't think. 
and to do it successfully, you know. Here's a group I think if they ran with it longer, they could well there's a few there's quite a few groups I think that could have been in that, you know, top greatest of all time that are underrated. Let me start off with the Dangerous Alliance <laughs> and WCW. I have them written down. I honestly was gonna bring them up. You have you know, Paulie Dangerously, Paul Heyman. Um at that time, it was like the it was like WCW's version of like they needed a, a bad guy faction, you know, yep. to replace the Horsemen. So you had Rick Rude, ravishing Rick, Rick Rude, Arn Anderson, stunning Steve Austin, stunning Steve yeah. Austin, uh, Larry Zbysko, and beautiful Bobby Eaton with uh, Medusa. So you had like a manager, yep. a valet, and you had five world class athletes. I mean, I had a huge crush on Medusa when I was a kid. Holy hey. cow, she was fucking all the way live when I was a kid, man. Woo, that man. Was my Trish. Yeah. Oh, cold. I'm all right. I'm not gonna say too much more. My wife might listen to this podcast, and then she'll, you know, we might not have a podcast after it's all said and done. Fair. She might. Be, Hi, Nikki. I won't be kicking out it too if she gets a hold of me. That's for sure. That's for sure. Fair. I'll be doing the job when it's all said and done. But you know, as a young man, I fancied one Medusa uh, in the Dangerous Alliance. But I just thought that they were such a, I thought they were such a, a very important group at that time in wrestling because um, you, they took individuals that were kind of spread all over and they meshed them well together. You had Arn Anderson with a reputation that he had in the Four Horsemen. You had beautiful Bobby Eaton who came from one of the most legendary tag teams of all time, the Midnight Express. Larry Zbysko was a former AWA World Heavyweight Champion. Rick Root spent a, a lot of time in the WWF and then you know built his resume up in WCW and then you had the young upstart in stunning Steve Austin. Which and, no one expected anything from. Yeah, exactly. Like, and he even floundered after that in some ways you could say that they were evolution before they were evolution yeah i mean and and one of my favorite matches involving them was the the war games games. match that they had with sting squadron i'll never forget when as a kid i bought the wcw magazine at the um the newsstand in uh, the the grocery store and it was double cover it was double-sided so on one side you had the picture of the dangerous alliance and on the other side you had the picture of sting squadron which was sting ricky steamboat nikita koloff barry windham and dustin rhodes which would become gold dust and the other side you had like the dangerous alliance and they were previewing the war games um one of my favorite War Games matches of all time. Because oh, it was, it was, I think it was easily mine. I think it's my favorite personally of all time in terms of the War Games. People will argue with me that, you know, the, the Four Horsemen War Games, you know, stand the test of time. And they do. They're great. But uh, to me, I was, uh, I, at that time, I dug the Dangerous Alliance. Even as a kid, I thought they were pretty cool bad guys. Um, definitely one of the more underrated groups. You got the Dangerous Alliance. But here's a group that I feel is underrated I don't think they deserve to be in the conversation in the in the top tier of factions, but they had potential to eventually get to that point, and that's the Straight Edge Society oh, with CM all right. Punk. All right, think about it for a minute here. That had that like that very um, cult like vibe to it with you know the shaving of the head and and sacrificing yourself for the the greater good of the cause and yeah you know (laughs) what i mean like it was just it was so well done and especially in a time when you know wwe was in the early parts of the pg era uh where you know they were really trying to find what worked in terms of the 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 content toning it down a little bit and they straight edge society at that time was one of those groups that 
they were kind of right to censor. Yeah, yeah, like, that's like, a good way of putting it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what what are your thoughts on the Straight Edge Society, Donnie? I mean, I thought it was a great crew, and um, you know, they had a, definitely a great leader of CM Punk. I think the look of him, you know, really fit the bill. You know, with the um, beard, like yeah, the, and the tattoos, and I don't know. He had that was, like Charles Manson kind yeah, of thing to him. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely a great point bringing them up for sure. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, how many different how many different groups has Luke Gallows been a part of? Like he he is he is the modern day version of Arn Anderson. Like Arn Anderson was in a faction ninety eight percent of his career. All right, so you, sure. so Luke Gallows was in the Straight Edge Society. Um, He's he, been in uh, the the club, the Bullet Club. Yep, yeah, Bullet Ballard, Club, Ballard, the Club, Ballard Club. Aces and Aids, like, Straight Edge Society. Yeah, I mean, he's been in quite a few. He's, he's kind of the Arn Anderson. He's the Arn Anderson of our era. Yeah, like, I mean, Arn Anderson. How many times have you brought up Arn Anderson in different factions just on this podcast? Like, well, think about it. The Horsemen yeah. and and uh, the Dangerous Alliance. Oh no, I feel like you brought him up a few more times, and just like. Well, no, he was in. He was a part of different incarnations yeah. of the yes. Horsemen. So I mean, he was still a full Horseman member, oh, but there yeah. were other guys that yeah. you know were coming in and out. Like, he, I mean, up until. Let's think about it here. Arn Anderson spent between you know the with, when it comes to the four horsemen, Flair and Arn have the longest tenures. Oh yeah, um, you know, I, and I, I can go in succession. You know, there was Flair, Arn, Tully, and Oli. Flair, Arn, Tully, and Luger. Flair, Arn, Tully, and Barry Windham. Then there was Flair, Arn, Oli, and Sting. Yep. Then there was Flair, Arn. Barry Windham and Sid. Oh, that's right. Then there was Flair, Arn, Oli, and Paul Roma. I don't even know who that is. Paul Roma? That's like, the, the, that gets talked about as like the worst horseman ever. I don't I've even know. I'm I, surprised I, you've I, never heard that conversation. I don't even know who that is. So, all right, so Paul Roma was an enhancement talent. I'll be nice, you know, because people <laughs> like to throw so that word jobber out yeah. there. But he was an enhancement talent for the WWF with another individual by the name of Jim Powers, and they were known as like the Young Stallions. And they didn't really have a whole lot of, uh, you know, character behind them. They, you know, like I said, enhancement talent. They were there to help get other guys over. Yeah. And... Eventually, they decided to take Paul Roma and have him dump Jim Powers, and he was going to actually be a part of a real tag team with Hercules, and they were known as Power and Glory. Do you remember, you remember Power and Glory? I do remember that. Okay. Now. So then there was Paul Roma with them. So okay. Paul Roma had gained a little bit of credibility being the tag team partner to Hercules, and they were managed by Slick. Paul Roma leaves the WWF. He joins WCW. He has... Uh, a, a lack, lackluster run, um, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, on an edition of Flair for the Gold, which was a talk show segment on WCW, they introduced Paul Roma as the fourth horseman. And if you go back and watch the video, there was hardly a reaction for, <laughs> for his entrance into the horseman. But mo- moving on from that, that that'll be that'll definitely be another discussion for another day. Yeah, we could do a podcast on wah, 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 <laughs> moments in the history of professional wrestling. Uh, but uh, yeah, Arn Anderson and Flair longest tenured in the horseman. After the Paul Roma edition, you had, and here was a good one, Flair, Arn, Brian Pillman and yep. Chris Benoit yep. in the Four Horsemen. Um, yeah, Pillman got out. And would, Pillman got out, and then they Mongo? no Steve Mongo McMichael oh, was the next oh, one. Yeah. Then they did Flair, 
Mongo, Benoit, Malenko with Arn as... Oh, no, I'm sorry. Excuse me. I'm kind of skipping here. You had Flair, Arn, Benoit, Mongo. And then at one point, Arn Anderson gave his spot in one of his most famous interviews in the history of professional wrestling to Kurt Henning. And Kurt Henning turned on them joining the NWO. Then it became the Horsemen were disbanded, and then the final incarnation of the Four Horsemen turned out to be Flair, Arn as the manager, Benoit Malenko as the tag, and Mongo as the muscle. And then Mongo disappeared and never showed up to, to, to work ever again. So it was the Three Horsemen with Arn Anderson as the, as the manager, and that was the end of the Four Horsemen there. But, yeah, like you said, Arn has definitely played a role in factions over the years uh, between the many incarnations of the Four Horsemen, like I mentioned, and the Dangerous Alliance. Probably another faction that I think gets underrated. Um, we've talked about, you know, like you said, the Hart Foundation, the Dangerous Alliance, uh, the, you know, here we go. Let me look here. I'm looking at my list. I got a lot of factions. I got a lot of shitty factions on this list. Um, here's an underrated faction that I think deserves to be talked about on this on this show here this week. Let's talk about JBL's cabinet. Ooh. Oh yeah. Okay. JBL. The modern-day million-dollar man at that time in 2004 became the WWE champion. And Great champion, too. Orlando, yes. Orlando Jones? Orlando, Orlando Jordan. Orlando Jordan. Was his Virgil, <laughs> if you think about it. He was JBL's Virgil. Yep. He was the chief of staff. And then you had the Basham brothers, Doug and Danny. Yep. As the tag team champions, and I forget what their roles were. I don't know if they were secretaries of defense or if they were whatever the case was. But And then uh, I want to say he had a, a, a girl a part of the cabinet. He had some hot piece of ass that I don't even remember her name. But uh, she um, it wasn't Jillian Hall. Because uh, uh, yeah. she had the growth on her face, yes, and that was past, that was way past the, the cabinet days. But uh, talk to me a little bit, Donnie, about JBL's cabinet. Uh, it was a great group. It was... But that's that's the thing with these factions is that it's it's something different, you know. It yeah, it was kind of like the million dollar, uh, you know, Ted DiBiase's faction. But it was you know so much later that I think a lot of that audience didn't really uh, they knew about Ted DiBiase and the million dollar, you know. But it what it was still something new and different. Yeah, I think that was really what what made it work is because it was so different, and that they they were great. It was they were a great bad guy faction, you know. Everybody hated that JBL, and you know I think even Orlando Jones was um was was. Do you guys good. want to call him Orlando Jones? Is that, are we changing his name? Oh my now? bad, my bad. No, it's all right. I mean, we can go. <laughs> he was just so forgettable that you don't remember. <laughs> well, he had the U.S. title for a short stint. He didn't did. He? Yes, it, he, he really did. I thought, and I, I thought he was actually not a bad U.S. champion, from what I remember. Yeah, he was. He had a run with the U.S. title. He beat John Cena. Yeah, for the yeah. U.S. title. They JBL got helped him. Yeah, JBL helped him. They uh, they got rid of the spinner belt and they brought back the, uh, the which is the current United States Championship now in WWE. But yeah, it was an interesting group, I'll say the least. I, like I said, at he, that time, Amy Weber, by the way. 
Who? Amy Weber. Amy Weber. Okay. The image consultant. Yes, we. I've gone to Wikipedia, guys. Oh, good, good. No, that's what. No. President that's... slash leader John Bradshaw Layfield, image consultant Amy Weber, who left WWE but was fired on screen by JBL. The co-secretaries of defense, the Basham brothers, Doug okay. Amy, quit on an episode of SmackDown. Chief of staff Orlando Jordan and publicist slash fixer. Jillian Hall. Yeah, Jillian Hall came later when like later, the cabinet later. had kind of disbanded, and then she ended up uh, obtaining a growth on her face that the boogeyman ate. <laughs> oh God, I remember that. <laughs> I don't, I don't. Yeah, that was so. I mean, that was disgusting. Yeah, it, <laughs> it, I mean, it was so fake. It was not even funny. Yeah, but it was so gross at the same time. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm glad that growth didn't stay there for very long. It was, it wasn't, you know, anything appealing to look at. But I mean, it was. Just, I just thought it was kind of <laughs> stupid. I was like, you're a good looking chick. Why do they gotta? Her voice was awful. Oh, yeah, of course. Her voice was awful. But, uh, you know, at the time in 2004 when, when JBL's cabinet was brought um, to WWE television, I'll be quite honest with you. I had – it took me a while to, to, to for JBL to grow on me because I always looked at him as, like, the beer-drinking, you know, cigar-smoking, uh, you know, poker player that would, you know, be in the back with Ron Simmons and – he went from being that to being like this all of a sudden he was this you know wall street tycoon and this you know this 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 millionaire and he was challenging eddie guerrero for the wwe championship i was like wait a minute you went from being you know apa protection to now all of a sudden you're in line to be the wwe champion you know what i mean like it was it took a while for me to 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 get into the character and then once i got into it and they put a group behind him like granted orlando jones and <laughs> the basham brothers didn't really amount to much following the cabinet but if you want to put on your professional wrestling resume that you were part of jbl's cabinet that's probably going to be at the top of your resume if you're orlando and the oh, yeah, and, yeah, and the basham brothers yeah that's it that the cabinet definitely one of those and then um do you remember all right, this is probably going to be a question for Donovan here. Do you remember, and we'll kind of go a little bit into, we'll go to a different uh, a different group here, a uh, different organization, uh, ECW. Do you remember the Triple Threat with Shane Douglas, Bam Bam Bigelow, and Chris Candido? I don't. Really? I, I mean, I, I was not really a big ECW person. Okay. Um... I didn't. I didn't get a lot of their shows on TV. When exactly, it's and that's kind of what it was. Like it was just not like mainstream at that point. And I felt like, I, yeah, I just I was I. I mean, I obviously know like the like famous people of ECW, yep. but like, yeah, I was never, never really brought into ECW all that much. Okay, all right, fair enough, fair enough. Okay, all right, we are. Uh, this has been good so far. We've been really diving deep into the the factions good bad and ugly do you, re- do you remember the union i i have them in my notes oh my god i have the union in my notes like i'm so glad you brought that because we're going to transition that that my friends is called a segue in the business because we're not going to transition to the worst character the worst factions in the history and let's explain why why don't we go a bit let's talk about it the union the union. The union of people you oughta. What was it? It was. It basically said up yours, but like, <laughs> like they couldn't say it. it was the union of people you ought to be afraid of or something like that. 
Yeah, I don't. So it was Mankind, Big Show, Ken Shamrock, and Test. Yes. And at one point they, they had all two by fours. Yes. <laughs> like... It was like an homage to Hacksaw Jim Duggan, but it wasn't at the same time. But do you remember the Union, Donnie? From the it, from from what you just said, I I slightly remember yeah. it. but they were it, very short lived. Yeah, yeah, it was like a month. Like they basically were. You know, Test Shamrock and Big Show had all been part of the corporation. They all got dumped by the corporation. Uh, yeah, because Shane McMahon was kind of taken over. He that was when they like ousted when he ousted Vince from the spot as the leader of the corporation. Yeah, and uh, Vince kind of like endorsed the union a little bit, and then. That was when they kind of did the whole switcheroo where Vince became the greater power. They merged the corporate ministry with the corporation. And then the union was formed basically to, you know, tell Vince, you know, up yours. But like I said, it didn't very, it didn't last very long. Uh, tell me, Eric, you know, Chris, tell me what you didn't like about the union. Let's, uh. Let's not get too in depth on some <laughs> the of the two, the two by fours. Like, that was it? It made like it made no sense because think about it. Like in their in their own like as like like individuals, they didn't need two by fours. Like the, it was the big show. It was mankind. Yeah, it yeah. was Ken Shamrock, who was supposed to be like a badass, who yeah. basically was a badass, honestly. Yeah. Um, and Tess, who was a big dude. Like, why did they need the two by fours? No, you make a good point. Like, I mean, it just made no sense. Big Show's a walking weapon. Same thing like, with Shamrock. Their you thing know? was people, people, uh, union of people you ought, you ought to respect or whatever, whatever it was. But like, if you want people to fear you or respect you, I don't know what the exact phrase was. Yeah. Why did you need to? If any of you out there know what the exact phrase was, by all means, hit up hit us up on social media, facebook.com forward slash kicking out of two. If you have a wrestling memory that dates that far back where you have to use your brain to remember the fucking union, um, <laughs> You know, hit us up on Facebook or on Twitter at Kicking Out Two K I C K N O U T and the number two. Make sure you give us that answer, 140 characters or less. Um, yeah, the union definitely won. Uh, let's, uh, Donnie, give us a faction that was one of the worst and why. And here's here's the trio. And I hate to keep bringing up trios, but the no. three man band. <laughs> How horrible was that? You know, oh, man. The fact that they're all still the WWE is kind of hilarious. It's though. true. But, like, it was uh, Drew McIntyre who was yeah. actually getting a big push, I feel like, yeah. with Ziggler. Yep. You know, he got humongous. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, oh my God. Jinder Mahal. Jinder Mahal, who yeah. obviously became a champion for, you know, I Jacked guess. again. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff, uh, jumped on the Hogan juice. He must have called out sick that day during the uh, wellness testing. <laughs> he, used, he used the sick day. <laughs> and then the uh, uh, the red the redhead dared. Um, Heath Slater. Heath Slater, yeah. yeah. Who actually had a good run with Rhino. You know, the whole I got kids and then had. No, <laughs> not Heath Slater. I'm, I'm thinking of. Um, no, he, did, no, he did do the thing with Rhino, but that's that's currently now. I mean, it, well, actually, I love a couple, the. A couple years uh, ago. He, he, I have kids. So yeah, the, I have kids. Like, how hilarious is that? You know, you know what was funny about that was you know he's running with that whole thing. I have kids. I need a job, man. And I remember forget like one night on Raw, like Brock Lesnar. It was a couple years ago. Brock Lesnar was like. I don't give a shit about your kids. <laughs> <laughs> and he, like, beats the fuck out of him. But, yeah, three-man band. They were horrible. It was three random guys that just didn't, I don't know, it was more of a joke to me. It was. It, well, it certainly was a joke. I don't think it was meant to be taken serious, uh, you know. But 
I didn't get like the whole. All right, you're you, you're musicians, and you're, you think they're musicians. Never yeah. <laughs> they never played. The one thing I did like, the only thing I liked about the three man band was the fact that they did one of those like spoofs on the VH1 show behind the music. Oh yeah, and I, I was like, that. I was like, oh, if they keep running with this man, they'll be like the modern day version of like the honky tonk man. Like it would be so friggin' cool. Uh, but imagine, um, imagine if they brought back three MB to be behind Elias. Ugh. Like it would be terrible. But like, just imagine that. Yeah, I want. It's hard. Yeah, I mean, wouldn't put it past them. <laughs> no, nah, I mean, I think they have a lot more uh, in stake with. Uh, if they did like guy. a mock little stupid concert with Elias, I think it'd be funny. But yeah, like I mean, for not not a full thing, but if they did it for like a one night only, maybe that would have been funny. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. Don't go long term with that. Yeah. yeah, that's that. That's my take on it. Uh, I do have one more really bad group. All right, who you got? La Familia. The group with Edge? Yes. Okay. Where they, had, where they made two up-and-coming wrestlers. I'm pretty sure it was Ryder and Hawkins, right? Yep, Ryder and Hawkins. And they made them look just like Edge. Oh, I do remember that. And, yes. like, they had them wearing reg, uh, Edge's rated R, like, tights and everything. Yeah, I mean, they were like, like Edge clones. Like, legit, they tried so hard to make them look like Edge, and it just was bad. Yeah, I mean, I didn't, I didn't like the La Familia name. Oh um, well, yeah, because they had Chavo and uh, and Chavo Vicky. and Vicky a part of the group, and then uh, who was the who was the bodyguard? Do you remember? Oh, I know his name. He didn't last very long either. You remember Bam Neely? He was like some bald guy that wore like a black wife beater and black slacks. Yeah. He was like Chavo's bodyguard or something. Like he yeah. was just he looked like one of the Basham brothers. What? Like yeah. To, uh, off off topic. But no. Who was? What group was Tomko part of? Cause that's what I thought. Of, I, that's what I thought was in La Familia for a minute. Okay, so Tomko. That's wow. That's a good question. Like, I thought it was Tomko. Was it Tomko was like was Christian's bodyguard yep. for a while. They didn't. They they weren't a group, so so to speak. But then Tomko eventually went to TNA. Yep. And he was with. He's um, still there. No, he's not there anymore. Tomko actually a couple years ago got was like found in like a Chili's bathroom like almost overdosed on drugs or something like he was going okay, through so some issues. Yeah, no, he's not wrestling right now as far as I know. I don't know what he's doing currently right now, but last I heard he had uh, he had some 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 personal issues. Demons as they like to call them in wrestling demons. even though I think there that's a fucking stupid term. But um I have demons. They come out of me when I go use the bathroom every single <laughs> fucking day when I sit on the toilet. That's a, a major ah, demon. Bam, Bam Neely and Tomko were basically But Tomko was a part of a group with um uh, AJ Styles, okay, and um, it was like Tomko, AJ Styles, and Christian. They were like, I think it was like Christian's Coalition or yeah. something like that in Solid. TNA. Like, and and I dug the the dynamic with Christian and Tomko. They worked really well, and then eventually AJ Styles and Tomko were 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 a good little team together. But yeah, that's the only exposure I know of as far as Tomko. But yeah, the La Familia thing was like I didn't really dig the name. Yeah, and. Okay. You know the 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 whole you know Edge kind of having two clones like to help him win like that can only go so far. Yeah. And, you know I feel like unfortunately for Chavo Guerrero, as talented as he is, and he is one of the most underrated guys from an in ring perspective. Yep. The worst thing that could happen to him is the fact that he lived in the shadow of his uncle Eddie Guerrero, and they tried so hard with him to kind of make something of himself you know make something of himself and and have him branch out on his own even with this la familia thing and, and it just didn't work but yeah i'm kind of right on the same page with you when it comes to uh la familia and they would have like i feel like they were always messing with teddy long and they would have teddy long like 
bring Vicky Guerrero out and like the wheel when she was in the wheelchair. Yeah, he introduced her and like it was just. All right, here's some shitty groups. I I got a list here for you. The Latino World Order. Oh, LWO. LWO, and they decided with Hooventu. Oh, it was every it was every Mexican wrestler you <laughs> Psychos- could find. Psychosis Hooventu. Eddie Guerrero, Rey Mysterio, Hooventu Guerrero, La Parca, Vianos Four, Five, and Six, uh, <laughs> El Dandy, Super King, Super Calo. Oh my Fucking God. every Mexican wrestler that was under contract with WCW, or some of the guys that weren't under contract with WCW. They Guerrero had like a bodyguard that looked like him, but you didn't even know what his fucking name was. He was just some <laughs> random uh, Latino guy that just stood around. LWO. Yeah, the LWO. LWO, they were fucking awful. I used to hate that shit. Oh. LWO was LWO sucked. What about um? I hated MIA, the Misfits in Action. Yes, another stupid group. That Hugh, was dumb. Hugh Morris, who they changed his name to General Rection, which <laughs> yeah, Hugh G Rection. Then they had uh, Lash Larue, um, Chavo Guerrero was in that group yep. as Lieutenant Loco, and then. They, yeah, Booker was G.I. Bro. Booker T. Booker fucking T was G.I. <laughs> bro. bro. A fucking African-American like all, all, G.I. Joe. <laughs> all, of their fucking, name, all of their names are fucking hilarious. Yeah, the only thing I like is huge erection. Yeah, the group sucked. It was horrible. Here's another group that sucked. Um... The Filthy Animals from WCW. Oh, they were like WCW's version of DX. You had Conan, uh, Kidman, Rey Mysterio. As talented as those guys were, like, you know, Eddie Guerrero was a part of that group at one point. Um, Disco Inferno was a part of that group. Oh, no. Disco Inferno was a part of that group. <laughs> Holy shit. Um, let's look at some other shitty group. We talked Dungeon of Doom. Fucking awful. Um... The Job Squad. Do you remember the Job Squad? I vaguely remember that. Al yeah. Snow, Hardcore Holly, Blue Meanie, and Two Two Cold Scorpio, and Gilberg. Gilberg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Remember that, remember oh that fucking God. atrocity? <laughs> Where he was so skinny, but they tried to portray him as Goldberg, and it was Well, hilarious. no, it was a spoof. I mean, they were just busting on Goldberg, you know, so that, like, they had him come out, and, like, they would, they piped in the chants that would say, Goldberg, and then they had, like, all the guys in the job squad holding up little sparklers you can get at the fucking grocery store for <laughs> Fourth of July, and, like, he, like, it was his pyro, and he'd come out, and, yeah, he, he didn't, he, I think he won one match, and it was against Christian for the light heavyweight title. He became the light heavyweight champion. They did the whole entrance coming oh, out. God. It was fucking, it was a big fucking joke. Okay. Uh, if we're gonna, if you're gonna talk about Blue Meanie, I mean, the BWO. How could you not bring up the BWO? Yeah. Like I, like I said, I don't know a lot about ECW, but the BWO is something I remember. Yeah, BWO was uh, Blue World Order. I didn't get, I didn't get it. I mean, it was a spoof, you know. Like I was an NWO guy, so I was like, you know. They, they, big Stevie Cool, like Stevie Richards trying to be Big Stevie Cool, you know, we were trying to portray Kevin Nash, and Blue Meanie was the blue guy, like he was, you know, like the Scott Hall, and then they had like a random African-American guy play Dennis Rodman, because Rodman, Dennis Rodman was a member of the NWO, yep. they had, um, he's, uh, you, you guys probably don't know him, but his name is Rob Feinstein, he runs uh, RF Video, which is a shoot interview uh company he's also the original founder of uh, ring of honor okay rob feinstein used to work for ecw behind the scenes he used to uh film all their content he's got a load of tons of shit in terms of you know their content that wwe network doesn't have um and uh he played uh he played x-pac six 
uh, with the Camry. He had the little camcorder with like a black curly wig and a leather jacket. So yeah, there was the BWO. They how, were fucking awful. How about this terrible group? Go for the it. Mean Street. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even have them on my list. And no, I'm, I'm mad I don't. Street Posse. Oh man. It was basically shape. I think it was, I honestly think there was only one legit wrestler yeah, in that group. And Joey Abs. Joey Abs. Joey Abs. And then the other two guys were Shane McMahon's childhood yeah. best friends. Rodney and Pete Gass. It, yeah, Pete Gass and Rodney. What was it? It was Pete Gas and Rodney, yeah. They just went ahead for Pete Gas Pete and Gas were a first and last name. Rodney was just Rodney, but I never understood Pete Gas. I was yeah. like, yeah. You, do you and, pass a lot of gas? Like what's and, going on? and legit, like they had no wrestling experience. Like zero wrestling experience. Maybe like a few like in the backyard, like but they were Shane's childhood friends and probably still to this day, like I think Shane's, so, yeah. Shane's best friends. I think yeah. Like and they basically put these guys on TV and they would basically just get their ass kicked. <laughs> yeah. Like that's took, basically they, what it came down they to. They took like, a licking and kept on ticking. Yeah. Um, those, like, they were the first they were my first introduction to sweater vests. That's why <laughs> they I had a sweater vest on they had sweat, every Yeah, time. they were sweater vests, they were like little preppies. Because yeah. yeah. they were from Greenwich, Connecticut. Because they course. were like that's where Shane's from. Like they were like they were like spoiled rich kids who wanted to wrestle. Like, and that's basically what it was. Yeah, and they, fantastic. Like, yeah. Here's a, here's a group that you that you might find pretty shitty um, as we're going over the worst groups in the history of professional wrestling. What about, from WCW, the West Texas Rednecks? Kurt Henning, Barry Windham, Kendall Windham, and Bobby Duncan Jr. The fact that they put Kurt Henning in a cowboy hat <laughs> was enough for that group to suck. Yeah. Like, Kurt Henning is arguably one of the best wrestlers of all time. Oh, yeah. And the fact that they, like, bevittled him so much as to make him a fucking cowboy yeah. was just terrible. Yeah, no, it was bad. Like, it was really bad. It was really bad, yeah. Um, that was, again, before your time. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's, let's find something, uh, you know, within, you know, Donnie's time frame in terms of his life and his birth into this world here. Do you remember the Mean Street Posse? Yeah, okay. I do. Okay. Because yeah. um, they were bad. <laughs> oh, uh, man. Here's a, here's a group that was never... Actually, I'm sorry. This is before your time, but I have to bring this up. And we're going a little bit off topic here because we've talked about a lot of shitty groups. So let me try and, you know, put us back on the right track in terms of, uh, you know, most Molly. notable and memorable <laughs> factions here. Here's a here's a group that they weren't categorized as a faction in the same way that the Heenan family was, but they were – there was a lot of guys that were managed under Jimmy Hart and Jimmy Hart's family, so to speak. Yep. I mean, Jimmy Hart managed the Dungeon of Doom in WCW, but in the WWF, Jimmy Hart had the Nasty Boys, the Rougeau Brothers, the Mountie, Dino Bravo, Earthquake. Um, uh, who else did Jimmy Hart manage under uh, the, the Natural Disasters, Earthquake and Typhoon? Yeah, I said Earthquake, right? So you had Typhoon, they eventually became the Natural Disasters. Um, Honky Tonk Man. I mean, there were yeah. so many different guys that Jimmy Hart managed. They didn't all come out as a group together, but he was, you know, Jimmy Hart was in that category of Bobby Heenan where he had to manage 40 guys. Um, and no, the association. And so I guess you could say those guys' association with Jimmy Hart and under that Jimmy Hart umbrella really helped their careers. He was Paul Heyman before Paul Heyman was Paul Heyman. 
don't know. I wouldn't put him in the Paul Heyman category, but I mean, Jimmy Hart to me definitely gets overlooked in terms of like you know in that conversation of greatest managers people talk bobby heenan and of course they bring up paul Heyman, but i think jimmy hart doesn't get enough love all right oh you know what i got one more you'll know this they they spawned off from the nexus and they became the the core the core wade barrett justin gabriel heath slater and and ezekiel jackson i do remember that oh my god how fucking awful was that that they was were so bad. They tried and to recreate I, the Nexus, but in a smaller I version. I think Gabe, Gabriel was the wrestler that I always thought was going to be so much better than he actually was. To me, I you know what? I'm glad you brought that up because I always looked... You know, Wade Barrett was, I think, the star. Okay, yes. he really was. But I thought behind him was Gabriel. Yes. Because every time Gabriel would get up top to do that 450. He had the best move. There was a way that he kind of put him positioned himself and that and the way that they produced it with the camera where he would like get up the top rope but he would slowly rise up before he would deliver the move and he would stall and he would milk it and he would like look around to the audience and like see if, like who's watching him and then he would perform the move like to perfection virtually every, time. every single time. Like he was a guy that I thought had a load of potential yep. to not, I'm not saying he would have been the WWE champion, but I really saw bigger things for him. Imagine him now in 205, 205. or even NXT. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gabriel probably would have been a bigger deal if they if they if they, they, they had they NXT put some stock into him. All right, we got the worst factions out of the way. Um, we're winding it down here on this special factions episode of Kicking Out of Two this week. Why don't we discuss some of your favorite factions and tell me why, Donnie? Kick it off with you, buddy. Uh, favorite factions, I mean, like like I said at the beginning of the show, DX, you know, Evolution, definitely great faction. Um, I was a big fan of um, Legacy. I thought that was a great, you know, underrated faction. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, like we said before, the Wyatt family, you know, that was definitely one of my favorite kind of trio there as well. Just, I wish, I hope that he... Bring them back and do more stuff with them. Yeah, you know, because I really think they could have done so much more with that. You know. Yep. Agreed. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, I can't, I can't go wrong with you there. All all great groups, and like you said, legacy underrated. Um, even though Evolution was a four horseman ripoff, they still oh, served the purpose. You know, DX and and I, I, I'm I'm a big DX guy. Um, so I would have to put them up there as, as, as some of my favorites. Obviously, the NWO, um, Incarnations of the Four Horsemen. Um, I dig the Wyatts. I dig the Shield. Um, I mean, you know, there's 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 those groups. I'm really a big Heart Foundation guy. If I'm going to go favorites of all time, DX, Horsemen, NWO, the Heart Foundation, and the Dangerous Alliance. Those are my top five. Okay. Um, I mean, you know, Heart Foundation and and you said they're very underrated, but I feel like they definitely deserve to be in the conversation. Right. Dangerous Alliance definitely underrated. You know, people talk about the NWO and 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 their impact. Of course, DX. Now, you know, Donnie, you said that you liked Sean and Hunter, you know, better, and I I loved that version. I was so upset when we talked about it, Chris, on the My Favorites show. Uh, you know, Sean retiring or having to retire and kind of Hunter picked up the ball and reformed DX. Um, I thought as good as Sean and Hunter were, I thought Hunter, X-Pac, New Age Outlaws, 
I don't think were better, but I think they were just as good, but yes. they did different things. Like, yeah. I think equally, you can't argue that one version of DX was better than the other. I mean, you, you have your opinion, but for me personally, I can't put a, I can't say yeah. that either version was better than the other. I agree. And, you know, th- th- that's my take as far as, you know, favorite factions go. Uh, Chris, give me some of your favorite factions and why. I mean, like, we've talked about it on uh, n- uh, numerous times throughout this podcast. Um, obviously, DX. Like I said earlier, I love the uh, Red and Black NWO. Uh, Heart Foundation. Evolution. Um, I mean, the ministry, corporate ministry, like, all that. Nation domination. Um, yeah, I actually, literally, I was just going over my list, and there's one group that I, I have that we did not talk about, and it goes in the list of worst factions of all time. Give it to me. X Factor. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember X Factor? Oh, and then they had that stupid, I, song, I, that I, stupid theme song by Uncle Cracker. Yep. And I could not, because re- here's the thing, I couldn't remember... I had to look it up because I was just like, I know X-Pac was the leader of a group after DX, and yes. I could not remember the name of it. Yes. And the fact that it was even had to do with X, I should have known. Yeah. But, like, X-Factor, X-Pac, um... Just Incredible. Just Incredible was in it. Like, Al- it was... Albert. Yeah. Oh, A-Train. Yeah. It was such a bad yeah. game. No, it was... I didn't understand what but X-Factor I had, I had to bring was. it up just because it was... And you know why I didn't like him? It's because... They came out to a song by the name of a musician called Uncle Cracker, who was like Kid Rock's sidekick or, or like yeah. his underlink or something. I was like, Uncle Cracker. I'm like, yeah, good how am I supposed smile. to fucking take? How am I supposed to fucking take you guys seriously when you come out to music by the guy named Uncle Cracker? You know what I mean? I just didn't really. Uh, Ooh, I, I didn't. I have one more that we never mentioned. No, let's let's bring him. The flock. I have them on the list. Raven's Flock. Yes, I do. I have them on the list. I think that might have been before you, Donnie. That's might a WCW been. group. Yeah, it might have been. The Flock, they had... Canyon was in it. Kidman. Uh, Kidman. Perry Saturn. Oh, God, yeah. Scotty Riggs. Scotty Riggs. Lodi. Oh, God, Lodi. Sick Boy. Yeah, that is... Sick was... Boy. Who names their child Sick Boy? <laughs> Sick boy. Someone who's going to join the flock. Horace Hogan. Horace Hogan. Who would eventually join the NWO. Yep. With his uncle Hulk Hogan. Hollywood Hulk Hogan. Here's an interesting, you know, we, we, we talked about, you know, shitty factions and, you know, there's a couple groups I didn't mention. But do you remember in WCW towards the end, there was the New Blood versus the Millionaires Club? No. Vince Russo and Eric Bischoff led the New Blood with all the underutilized talent that they felt, you know, weren't getting the opportunity. So there was the Jeff Jarrett's and the Scott Steiners and the Booker T's and Billy Kidman and, you know, Vampiro and and, and names like that. And uh, Vampiro also had a group called the Dark Carnival with uh, Insane Clown Posse. Uh, the Kiss Demon and the Great Muda for a short period of time, but that was a shitty group. That was really bad. Uh, New Blood, you know, like I said, Russo and Bischoff led it, but you like Jarrett, Steiner, Booker T, Vampiro, Kidman, Shane Douglas, Buff Bagwell, Mike Awesome, Mike uh, awesome. you know, were, were names. You know, Lance Storm, I think at one point was part of that group too. And then WCW had the Millionaires Club, which was basically all the established guys that that made millions, and they were trying to de- depict the narrative that. Uh, the, the, the Millionaires Club was holding back the younger talents. So you had Hogan, Flair, Sting, DDP, Nash. Um, you know, the list goes on and on of, like, all the established guys that were part of those groups. Those are two groups that I forgot to mention. Didn't TNA do something like that? 
Didn't they do like the? It they was did. Like the cha- it was the champions. Uh, it was the main event mafia. Main event mafia. Yes. Kurt Angle, Booker T, Scott Steiner, Sting, and Kevin Nash. Yes. The main event mafia. I kind of dug them. I thought that was kind of yeah. cool. They were kind of recreating that like whole New Blood Millionaires Club thing, but um, I remember that because they it was basically like evolution kind of. Yeah, they came out in the suits and thought yep. they were fucking better than everyone. Like Sting had Sting didn't even have the face paint on. Sting didn't wear the paint until he wrestled in the match, but he'd come out in a suit. And I think people had a hard time buying this. Sting was a bad guy. I yeah. was trying to get into it, but like I don't feel like they put enough effort no. into it, or at least maybe Sting didn't put enough effort into it. I don't know. All right, we are winding it down. We are down to the eleventh hour. It's it. Right, this is it right here. We've covered the good. We've covered the bad. We've covered the ugly. We've covered the the potential factions. We've covered. The the guys that we thought would be good from a faction, but it didn't work out. We've we've hit the game. We've covered theme music from factions. We've covered it all when it comes to factions in the history of professional wrestling. So, what I decided to do with you gentlemen to close this out is give me a dream faction, past or present. Um, oh, sorry. Before we do that, we haven't talked about a faction that is really making waves in wrestling today. And they're not in WWE. The Bullet Club. Brought them up briefly when we talked about uh, Luke Gallows. Okay, yes. That was the only mention of that. Yes. Bullet Club is, you know, a takeoff of the NWO in some respects with the shirt. And they're doing the whole too sweet thing. And um, I'm sure you are probably going to pull out a Bullet Club shirt from your your backpack there, Chris. But... um, Nope, I thought I was grabbing it. Oh, you (laughs) thought you had it? Okay. But... uh, I thought I had it. Think about what they're doing here. They're, they're, you know, you have Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega, Hangman Page, the villain Marty Skrull, and um, a few other guys from New Japan, like the, the, the Gorillas of Destiny. They're like a, a, there's like a turf war, I guess, with Bullet Club. It's almost like their modern-day version of Black and White versus NWO Wolfpack. And uh, they're not like – they're I mean – they're helping take New Japan Pro Wrestling and Ring of Honor to the mainstream by selling yeah. out Madison Square Garden next year all for in. WrestleMania weekend. We get you got the All In show that's coming up soon, and uh, they got endorsement deals with Hot Topic. Like those Bullet Club shirts are like selling like hotcakes right now. Did you ever imagine that like a group that is not associated with the marketing machine of WWE have such an impact on the wrestling industry outside of it? No. <laughs> like, WWE has squashed so many things in their history. Yep. But they can't squash this. Like, yeah. it's like it's not going away. Yeah. And as much as they try to bring in, like, they brought in Bauer and they brought in Gallows and Anderson. They brought in Styles, who were all former members of the Bullet Club. Yep. And they try to form their own little, like, club thing where they do the two sweet and they do the, like, this and that and, like... It doesn't have the same effect. Yeah, like, even, like, at, uh, I think it was on this week's episode of SmackDown when, like, you saw, like, AJ Styles, like, lose his shit, and then, like, you see, like, Gallows and Anderson, like, trying to hold it back. Like, you know that they hang out in the background. They, you, like, it might not be, like, in the forefront, like, on screen, Mm -hmm. but, like, their, their history goes back to their time in the ball club. Like, that's why they're friends. Yeah. So... I, I, it's just something I think that WWE is trying to like figure out how to get rid of, but I don't think they. Well, obviously they haven't been able to, and I don't see. You don't see it happening. I don't see that happening because yeah. they're just the Bullet Club is just gaining popularity 
by the day. Yeah, no, absolutely. Definitely agree. Um, all right, we're now take two, Dream Factions. Who do we got? Donnie? So, this is kind of maybe a little bit random, but I loved um, Team Angle. As we discussed earlier with uh, Kurt Angle, Charlie Haas, and Sean Benjamin. Uh-huh. Um, now, I think it would be really cool if we added the um, All-American Jack Swagger and Cesaro with Zeb Coulter and made them a big faction, like this big All-American faction. I think that I think that would have been really cool because Kurt, Kurt Angle is your veteran, Zeb Coulter is the mouthpiece, and then you have the wrestlers of uh, Cesaro, um, Swagger, and... Um, Benjamin and Haas. I think it would have been a really cool... It would have been cool to see what they could have done. That's a formidable group, I will say. I can can get behind that. Um, Definitely for sure. I mean, all great wrestlers. You know, Cesaro... Imagine the kind of matches Cesaro could have with, like, a Kurt Angle. Yeah. In his prime. Oh, yeah. I mean, Cesaro's one of my favorites to watch. I love Cesaro. And uh, I wish I got to see more of him in his early days in Ring of Honor. But, um... Yeah, I mean that that's a that's a cool little one. Like oh they got like the like that all American like collegiate wrestler, you yeah. know, like kind of vibe to him. Like, yeah, I can dig that. All right, Chris, what do you got? Alright, so Donnie went with more like a thematic group. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said earlier in the podcast, when I think of a faction, I think of a talker, a tag team, and muscle. And I need to throw this out there, first of all, this is all contingent on people showing up to do their job. Obviously, you will know who my muscle is. Okay. I will start off right there with my muscle being Brock Lesnar. Wow. Who is more of a badass muscle beast than the Beast Incarnate? No one. Okay. And he brings his own talker, Paul Heyman. But my leader of the group is obviously my current favorite wrestler right now, whose shirt I am wearing... Obviously, this is on podcast, but I am wearing my Dean Ambrose shirt because I think, given given the chance, he can lead a group, and I think that would be I I think him associated with Paul Heyman would be a nice spin on something we haven't seen or can't even picture seeing at this point. And for my tag team, I think one of the things factions does is elevates. Young talent. And in which case, the best young tag team in my mind is the Revival. Putting them with Dean Ambrose, Brock Lesnar, and Paul Heyman to make a badass faction. I don't even know what the name of this faction would be. But I think that core four, don't call them the core obviously. But (laughs) that, that group would be unstoppable. That's... I, I like both of those. Very and that was the that was the modern day group. I also have a all time group. Okay. Um, and again, with the talker muscle and tag, I went with arguably the best talker in the history of wrestling, The Rock. Mm-hmm. Okay. The muscle being Goldberg. All right. Can't really see those together. I agree. Yep. And then. The original version of the Steiner Brothers as the tag. Ooh, interesting. The like, Rock, Goldberg, and the Steiner Brothers. Like, obviously, again, no name because they're just, they never even clicked together. Like, obviously, the Steiner Brothers had their thing. But, like, you give the collegiate, like, before before Scott Steiner, Scott, uh, what do you call it, Steiner became Big Papa Pump. 
Like I want that. Like I want the mullet cut. I want the Mi- <laughs> I want the Michigan varsity jacket on them. Wow. Like I want that version of the Steiner brothers okay. with Goldberg and The Rock. Okay. And I think that that faction, like the first of all, The Rock and Goldberg together, if they were ever a tag team, would be ridiculous. But then add in brothers who looked out for each other before obviously splitting up. I think that faction would be pretty dominant. That's, I have another one that I think would be interesting. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Let's what if it. you did the Wyatt family, all three of them, mm-hmm. and then you added the Brothers of Destruction, Undertaker and Kane? Okay. So would like under, who, who'd be the leader? Bray Wyatt. Really? Overtaker. Over Undertaker? I mean, to be fair, M- ta- Taker Taker in the Brothers of Destruction wasn't as vocal. Obviously, they didn't need to be vocal because they were just destroying people. Yeah, yeah. So I guess that does make sense in the sense that like they would just be the quiet ass kickers. Yeah, yeah. And Bray Wyatt would still do the mind games with the talking. Mm-hmm. So I, I get that. Kind of like have you know Bray Wyatt's in the Megatron doing his you know normal. Uh, Little thing there, and then next thing you know, Undertaker comes out from the middle of the ring and then drags somebody down, or you know, that kind of stuff. You know, where Undertaker is definitely a big part of it, but you know, Bray yeah, Wyatt, he's, he's second in command. Yeah, the Bray Wyatt is wow. the, the brains of the operation. I, I dig that, like that kind of like a dark kind of like you know eerie faction. I've always been a big fan of, um, since we're kind of on like the dark eerie faction. If I could just come up with one on the fly, I'd probably do. Um, Bray Wyatt, Luke Harper, fuck Eric Rowan, Raven, there we oh, go. Yeah. and like Vampiro as okay. like a foursome. And just kind of adding that dark element to it because I felt like the Raven character... What about Moodus? Put in there. Who? Remember Moodus? Moodus? It was Chris Canyon, but he had the green and like... Mortis. Mortis. Yeah, Moodus. My bad. Yeah, no, I'm just like, oh, no, I was trying to figure out Mutus. I'm like, I have to Google him. Mortis. <laughs> what's his undefeated streak? <laughs> Mortis, Never yes, lost. I do. I remember it. Mortis and Wrath with yeah. James James Vandenberg. Yeah. Um, and I, you know what? To, 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 to kind of bounce off the, the dark side kind of faction, like, you know, you, Wyatt, Harper, Raven, uh, uh, Vampiro, and Abyss from TNA. Okay. Oh, yes. Yeah. I, I could do something like that. Um these guys are technically a faction, but behind the scenes, if I were to do a dream faction, it'd be the Click: Sean, Hunter, Paul, and Nash, and X-Pac. Imagine if they brought that group and used their the the narrative of their backstage politics on screen. Yeah, I think that'd be something yeah, pretty cool. That like they that like that the. the that people would have gotten behind, like if he, if the Click was opposing The Rock, or if the Click was opposing Steve Austin, or you know, what I mean, or even Bret Hart, you know, what yeah. I mean, like stuff like that. Um, I, I talked about earlier the Horsemen being a, a, a group of guys that, uh, you know, that I, I was my first incarnation of a faction. Um, Are you gonna try to make one right now? Yeah, I, try- I, dig, I dig this. Yeah, I, I'm gonna try and make a, a, a modern day version. I'm not gonna say a modern day version, but I'm gonna try and make like a Horseman All Star team. Um, Who would be your flair? I'd still keep flair. I okay. keep Yeah, I keep flair. I didn't know if you were going like four horsemen for today. Hold on, I get, I'll, you know, all right, you know what? No, no, do, 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 I'll, do I'll, give, I'll give you an all-star horseman, then I'll give you a modern-day version okay. of horseman. How about that? Yes. Um, 
All-Star Horseman, obviously Flair and Arn. Yep, gotta have them. Gotta have those two, okay? Triple H. Yep. Okay, even though he was never a member of the Horseman, Evolution, Evolution, <laughs> Evolution inspired him to be a Four Horseman. I like it. And Randy Orton. I like it. Those young four. Randy Orton. A young Randy Orton. Or, you know what? Maybe even today's Randy Orton. Uh, never I mean, mind. Oh, a young Randy Orton. Has, young, you can't do the hair right now. A young Randy Orton. I'll go young Randy Orton. Okay. Um, a modern day version of today's horseman. I'll give you a little mix. Who's your flair? I just need, I can't. Who's think my flair? I can't think of it. Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes is my talker. Cody okay. Rhodes is 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 the is the centerpiece of that group. Okay. Um. Because the first person I thought of was Balor or Styles. No, I wouldn't put them in that. I wouldn't. I wouldn't put. I them. can see Styles doing it more than Balor. Yeah, I mean, they kind of. I, the only reason why I wouldn't put Styles in it because they tried to make AJ Styles like, like you know, a, a caricature of like Ric Flair when he when when they paired them together in TNA, and I just wasn't really a big fan of it. Yeah. Um, if I'm gonna go modern day Horseman, I'm gonna go Cody as the as the the, the, the as the centerpiece. Um, I'm going to put Orton in that group. Okay. Um, I mean, if you say DiBiase, we already have like... No, I wouldn't do, <laughs> no, I wouldn't do DiBiase. Um, part of me would... And, and they wouldn't be the four horsemen. They would just be the horsemen. Yes. So I would do Cody. I would do Orton. I would do... Uh, I'm trying to think who else. I think... The revival would be a perfect. Thing. The Re- the revival are on that they list. Just, they're like an old and school. I'm, and I'm kind of going with like either Ziggler in there as part of the group, or even the Miz. And then you know, as a matter of fact, I'm going to change that up. You're putting the Miz as your. You I'm going to put Miz as my centerpiece. Yeah. And Cody's going to be the 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 guy that they're grooming. Okay. So take out Orton, right? No, I keep okay. Orton, and I keep the revival. And Orton could be like the Orton could be the wrestler, but also like the veteran that like helps kind of group them together. That would be like a, a modern day version of the Horseman, not the Four Horsemen, just the Horseman. And then of course, if you want to modernize the NWO, obviously we have Bullet Club, but you know there's Cody, there's Omega, Balor, AJ, Anderson Gallows, you know Young Bucks. I mean, you know it's like an all star team from the indie scene, but um. Yeah, that's that. That about does it for me when it comes to to dream factions, a, a few different dream factions, and and that about does it here with all of us. This was this was really cool. You guys definitely it brought fantastic. it, and, and I loved the notes from both of you guys. And uh, you know, be on the lookout in March around WrestleMania time. We have a future episode of the uh, My Favorites Collection, as uh, you and I, Donnie, recently recorded. Uh, this, uh, oh, I'm not going to give too much, but it's going to be a WrestleMania-themed My Collections uh, with myself and Daniel Garcia. And, of course, Chris, you're always welcome back here, too. Uh, I appreciate you know, that. Definitely the three of us are going to do more of these together because uh, we love talking wrestling so much. And, uh, yeah, that about does it for us this week. Tune in next week as the return of the My Favorites Collection comes to kicking out of two with its second installment as I'll be joined by Northeast Wrestling Independent Superstar, the Sexy Beast Bull Dread, a good buddy of mine, go way back with Dread. Uh, we're going to sit down, we're going to discuss his inspiration 
on getting into the wrestling business, a man who he idolized and a man that he ended up working with in later years in his wrestling career. I'm talking about the nature boy, Ric Flair. We're going to cover some of Dredd's favorite matches and moments from Flair's career and some of his personal favorite moments that he uh, encountered with the nature boy on the independent scene a number of years ago. So this should be a fun show. Head on over to soundcloud.com, kicking out at two for my favorite collection, number two, with Bull Dread and the Nature Boy, Rick Flair. Facebook.com forward slash kicking out at two. If you have not already, please hit that like button. Join us in the madness that we're creating over there because it's a lot of fun. We talk retro throwback pro wrestling content from the 80s, 90s, early 2000s. We cover it all with debates, discussions, videos, pictures, memes. It's all up there. Head on over to Facebook.com forward slash Kicking Out at Two to be a part of it and be a member of the Kicking Out at Two crew. Same goes for Twitter. That Kicking Out at Two crew membership, it applies over at Twitter as well. Our handle is at Kicking Out Two, K-I-C-K-N-O-U-T, and the number two. The same fun, the same madness, the same shit that I like to stir up over there on Facebook. I'm doing it on Twitter, but 140 characters or less. All right, as they say in the business, it's time to go home. This match is over. It's time to put it down for the three count. I will see you all next week. <laughs>